Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day lads and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm your host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. Best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe, tweet it out. <clears throat> you can Instagram it out. You can add it to your Facebook. You can add it to your TikTok if you're under 12. Uh, you could write a letter. You could ring someone. But please spread the word. Uh, we're seeing steadily growing pro- progress over here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. And it's nice to see that every week. And it's great to get feedback from everyone. This is episode 25. We were joined by our biggest group ever. There were six of us on the podcast this week, and it was a massive, massive week in wrestling. We talk a lot about CM Punk. We saved that kind of for the main event of the episode. We get there eventually. We talk about SummerSlam. We talk about NXT. We talk about just about everything else in the world. Let's get straight into it. This is a lengthy one. Episode 25, get around. Uh, Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, this is episode 25, and I've got a lot of people to introduce this week. We have got Russell Boss Casey, we have got Shafi the Sultan, uh, we have got regular podcast, sometimes host Matthew Brummett, and we've also got returning guests, Prodigal Sons, both of them, uh, Ro Ahmed and JCH James Harris. G'day lads, uh, you don't like to say hello individually, what's the story? Great, excellent. No need to reply. Hey, <laughs> is everyone good? If one person could reply at a time, that'd be great. Yes. Thank you, guys. Love it to hear from all of you. Um, I swear they are all here, dear listener. Hey, guys, let's get into the podcast straight away. Uh, six of us here, and it's so great. I think that probably is an indication of a what I thought was a pretty decent little weekend of wrestling. Um, We're going to try to talk about all of it, but before we get to what the nerds have been watching, I think uh, the boss has got a little call-up sheet. Take it away, Foster. I do indeed, Dom. I do indeed. We've just got three... Twitter followers you want to shout out this week and a new gimmick. We're going to start off with Harvey Robin from The Void. I like the idea that um, someone from The Void, um, they, they're really into scratch tickets because the only reason I know the word void, the reason I learnt it as a kid is, I don't know if you have this in England, but when you buy a scratch ticket or we call it a scratchy, there's that panel down the bottom corner that says void if removed. So if you scratch, I always used to like have nightmares about what if I won a million dollars, but then accidentally scratched it off and the ticket was void. So I imagine this guy's just got like, he like keeps winning titles or something, but then just like accidentally his foot is on the rope. So the decision is void and things of that nature. He's just very bad luck. It's like a long, a long-term anxiety dream. I like the fact that you've got um, a situation there with, the guy who has void on everything that he would really fuck up um, a press conference. (laughs) A contract signing. Oh, balls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like he's cutting the most important promo of his career um, and he accidentally says, fuck you, and that just has to be completely wiped from programming or something. (laughs) So 
So I went a slightly different direction on this one. Um, there was a documentary, a real life story, a book in about 2003 called Touching the Void. And it was about two mountaineers who fell into a crevasse and almost died. Um, so the void is, in this case, is the crevasse. So my idea was that this guy actually lives in the void. And we would finally get a proper Yeti character out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that the one where like that they're like roped together and one of, one of them falls down? Yeah, and breaks his leg. Yeah, exactly. In the Peruvian Andes, I believe. Yeah, and they they're like so they're so far apart that like that neither of them they both think the other one's dead. Yeah, that's incredible. That story actually. Um, next up, yeah, sorry, Ross. Next up, we've got. Wait, Ross. Whoa! How the hell have you just? booked a guy called Harvey Robin and not tried to turn it into a Bristol City gimmick. What are you playing at? <laughs> Scrumpy. <laughs> I was thinking of some Bristol City meets Steve Harmison type thing. <laughs> what would that look like? Uh, it bowls wide, it shoots wide. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Next up, we've got Jacob from San Antonio, Texas. I so I'll jump in quickly. I I wouldn't be like the god figure from the island in Lost. <laughs> just one, just one name. Jake. God loves you as He loved Jacob. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty three, forty two. Why are we um? Why are we booking this guy? He's already on the main roster. He's lost his surname. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he should be amazing at ladder matches though. <laughs> very good very good <laughs> outstanding areas and, and last but not least from the twitter sphere Sitanshu Kanna from Surat in India I, I wonder if he could be the not so great Kali but he's a much what? much better <laughs> <laughs> definitely racist <laughs> I, I, so that was just me trying to get Ro to unmute his microphone, guys. I got a little pop out of it. <laughs> Could he be any relation to Jeff Kenner? <laughs> it's spelled slightly differently, but, but okay. uh, why not? <laughs> Is that it for for Sitansu? We're steering clear. I love, <laughs> I love him. I, 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 I think Ro needs to take this one because he's the only one bulletproof here. <laughs> oh, you would say this, but I'm not. I've, I've, uh, I would. Uh, well, he's, I don't know what I can say because it's so, you know, we're not related. <laughs> <laughs> probably edit that out as well. Lady <laughs> 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 Shadanshu. Yeah. Uh, I I the only uh, non-libelous thing we've got in there is a Jeff Kenner reference. <laughs> I, I hope you're enjoying the result in the second test match at Lords this week, Satanchi. If it's um, if it's a Jeff Kenner sibling, then perhaps they have a moustache and they're friends with the guy from the first NXT. Eli. Oh. I was thinking more like um, maybe he has a hyphen at a name. Maybe it's a Satanchu Kennedy, maybe. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. No, nah, that's, that's very poor. Don't be nice to me. That's awful. 
<laughs> and, last, and last but absolutely by no means least is a shout out to Wrestling Should Be Fun member Rob Armstrong for being on the NXT pre-show. That was pretty great, wasn't it? Oh. Uh, it, like, what, what, an abs- what an absolute lad. Congratulations to Rob Armstrong for all your success. Don't forget us when you're booking WWE. <laughs> and get me Noel Rummer's number. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I wondered why Joe Coffey was still employed. <laughs> Do you reckon he's now best mates with Sam Roberts? <laughs> it's hey Ro, did you you asked for Randy Orton's number? Did you see that sign at SummerSlam? The naked WrestleMe Randy sign. Uh that was my sign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you noticed it. It, it was it was wonderful. Got to pop out of me, that's for sure. Got to pop out of me too, but. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end uh, of the call-up sheet this week, and we'll move on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 come on, a la 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 long, a la 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 long, long. Cheers, Ross. Doing a much better job than I would be. Uh, righto. It's a big week for what the nerds are watching. I'm sure everyone's got a lot to say. Um, I reckon we should start off uh, with WWE pay-per-view like we always do. There's a pay-per-view on Saturday for a change. Um, just to give you a little bit of insight, a few of the Wrestling Should Be Fun boys actually went down to the Old Street Bar and Grill for the Hooked on Wrestling event uh, to watch SummerSlam Live together, which was great to see the boys. But um, I'm sure lots of people have some thoughts on it. I... Uh, where sh- where should we start? Uh, we've already mentioned my favourite sign of the night. Uh, a couple of big returns, guys. Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar. Um, I, I want to go, you know what? Uh, the returning son, James Harris, you haven't watched much WWE for a while, mate. And this was your first live experience for a while. How did you find the show? Uh, I'd like to see you, boys. Yeah. <laughs> What, like, was there anything that you sort of saw and was like, oh, geez, that was that was pretty good, or that was that stood out to me as something quite positive to talk about? Um, I'd had a few drinks. I I seem to remember like Seamus being all right and the women's triple threat being reasonably good. Anything, um, anything else? I'm not that either a sold on or b. I just did. I, I didn't watch. The main event because it was so late and I wanted to go home. I, I don't re- remember seeing any of the Goldberg match, even though I was there. I might have gone for a cigarette. And I definitely was having a cigarette the whole time that Drew and Ginger had a match, which suggests they weren't very long matches. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the things that you said that you remembered were quite early in the evening. <laughs> uh, but, like, just we, we all know here on Wrestling Should Be Fun, like, anytime you mention the great Carly, it's almost the opposite of any time you mention the word Goldberg. Ro, I know you want to come off the long run. How'd, how'd you feel about SummerSlam, brother? Oh, um, yeah, Goldberg and um, Lashley was match of the night for me, obviously. <laughs> just Goldberg's wrestling skills. Um, I just don't honestly know why Goldberg is still a thing. Why he's still wrestling. He, he literally, every time he's in the ring, he just gets worse and worse. And last time, he literally almost killed The Undertaker. Um, so I just don't get why he's why he's still wrestling, if you couldn't call it that. There was, there was quite a few moments in this match where Goldberg landed on his head and it was pretty scary. Um, well, I think he also almost let it. that you tried to do suplex Lashley and almost land on his head. But I don't know. Obviously, they keep him keeping around just to uh, 
the star power, but I just don't get it. Hey, um, uh, yes, yeah, no worries. Uh, on the one card. Yeah. So it's good. They've already for you there. Sorry about you that, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe James decided to mute us all but didn't mute himself so we could hear his <laughs> conversation. <laughs> you know, uh, Ross, like you were talking about Goldberg and like how we thought landed on his head a couple of times. Like, I think we both, like we bought the injury as being legitimate, didn't we? Like for a second. Yeah, yeah, because it's just so unusual for an actual story to be told in a, Go- in a Goldberg match beyond it being finisher, 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 whoever gets the pin first wins. Um, we, which was something that I, that, that I spoke to you about on the night in that it was quite refreshing in a way that they have tried to at least m- go with an actual wrestling story in a Goldberg match or something that I can't think of for the, probably since that Regal match where he kind of straight shooted him for eight minutes where there was an actual story in a Goldberg match beyond kind of who can um, hit their finisher first. So I actually applaud them a little bit for thinking outside the box with Goldberg for, for it. But the only problem, and actually applaud Goldberg himself, because I thought that in terms of selling that injury, when he fell on his head <laughs> for like the third time, they kind of made it sound as if the reason that he did that was because his knee blew out. And then the selling of the knee itself was pretty good, I thought. Um, but the fact that they seemingly building up to a, Gage and Bill against MVP and Lashley at Crown Jewel. Nick Gage? What the fuck? He's 15 years old. What? Nick, Nick, Nick Gage is in... No. <laughs> With Goldberg? What the fuck? I literally did... I saw some stuff about this. I did not read that this morning. <laughs> that is mental. <laughs> Apparently Bill's at MDK all day. <laughs> did I not get that right in his name? I think I, I think I think I missed. Did I miss that? I missed that joke. I think. Oh, I'm not joking. Sorry. Oh, is there another? Is there another guy called Gage? Not Nick Gage. I think his son is called Gage. Is like the son. Oh, that... oh sorry, guys. You can edit that out. <laughs> 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 I was like, Nick Gage and Goldberg are a stable. What the fuck? <laughs> The oh, two for... most dangerous men in professional wrestling. <laughs> for fuck's sake, Brom, you just screwed up my book of bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I would... Sorry, sorry, Dom, you can edit that out if you want. You know, like, if, if Nick Gage was allowed to travel outside of the United States, I would absolutely pay to see that in Saudi Arabia. That would be incredible. <laughs> and, then, like... and then going back to the actual match, the... the, uh, the um. The match highlighted again that that like last year is a badass. Um, you could argue that the beating that he put on Goldberg was the, it, in a similar level to the one that he that he gave Kofi, and that's cool because Goldberg, in the totem pole of wrestling history in terms of championships and stuff, is like world championships is probably towards Bill, so that's cool for for Bobby, and I absolutely loved that that um, the, like, small little thing of when. Um, Lashley put his, put his son in the um, hurt lock that uh, MVP did, did the thing of like there's no way that <laughs> that he could have known who that was it could have been a fan jumping the rail that, that was great and and then the, the other little easter egg was right at the end with uh, Goldberg doing the Undertaker thing where he just says I'm going to kill you <laughs> yeah yeah 
Um, Ross, what like what else stood out to you on the show? Like, mate, whilst whilst you're whilst you're on on a roll there. Okay, cool. So quickly, um, everyone knows that my man at the moment is Seamus, and yet again he put on a big time match. I I thought that him and Priest had a really great match. Um, they've showed good chemistry on Raw previous to the pay per view, and Seamus in particular has shown chemistry with everyone that he's seemingly been with recently. Humberto, Ricochet, off the top of my head, really good matches with on Raw. Carried that into SummerSlam, hard hitting, got some big knees there for JCH to pop for on the night. And we called the um, the title change, so I was happy with that for the Pickums. Um, so that was, um, that was a highlight. Also absolutely loved Edge and Rollins. I thought Edge and Rollins had probably the match of the night for me personally. Don't know about how you felt about that, Dom, but I absolutely loved the brood entrance, I loved the pop once the music changed back to his normal entrance. I thought that the match was kind of, um, yet again, um, the comparison that that guy from Botchamania, Matthew, made about how uh, Edge is having the matches that Triple H wishes that he was having back in the day. I think that rings true again. I think that he's just a bit of a master at it. And then put him in the ring with someone as good in ring as Rollins. And it was pretty magical those last few minutes. Yeah, I, I thought that was probably the match of the night as well, really. Like, and it, like in my mind, I, I don't think anything really came close. Um, but I, I wasn't sure if I was, um, if if my judgment was misled because it was the only match that I was sitting comfortably to watch. <laughs> it does make a difference. <laughs> yeah, like I like I, I took myself away for a bit and sat on like a comfortable bench on my own to watch that one. But I, I did actually really enjoy it. Um, I, I thought Seth might have won that actually because I'm like, well, what does Edge have to build for? But um, yeah, anyway, I, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a fantastic match, really. Um, it's always nice to see Seth pull out the Phoenix 450. Absolutely, that, and the roll through was pretty cool, and then into the spear, fantastic. Um, yeah. And I'm and, and talking about what what Edge can be doing. I know we spoke about it um, on the night. Um, we can move on to the Becky thing so that Shafi can come in as it's something that he's seen. Um, it's pretty clear to me that Becky will be a heel after that. Um, and hopefully um, it, it leads to some kind of tag team with Beth and Becky and Seth, uh, sorry, and Edge and Beth and he and Seth, especially um, as they had that... Um, Set to when Edge was still retired and Becky was going through the heel stage that, that didn't last 10 seconds seemingly because the fans just didn't buy it. But um, at one point she told Edge to get out of her ring and hope he doesn't injure his neck. So there's like a story that's already been built there. Do we think like, you know, anyone can sort of have some insight on this, whether you've seen the show or not, but like, can, is Becky ever going to be able to turn heel? Well, I think, I think she could, you know, she, she could probably kick someone's dog and still be their favourite wrestler, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, again, not, I'm sure we'll get to NXT later, but there was an issue there where Adam Cole was being actively cheered against Kyle O'Reilly, like, and he is like, and, and don't be wrong, Cole's very over, but compared to, like, Becky Lynch, who, at a pomp, was the most overact in wrestling, like, yeah, I just don't get, and obviously, I'm over off the back of her being a an anti-hero in most cases. You're completely right, Dom. I, I think that's a, a very, a very interesting route for them to go down. 
Um, maybe Edge and a returning Beth is maybe one of the few people that they might do it against, but I, I, I wouldn't bet on it. In, in the short term, I would argue that um, the backlash that um, they're getting for the burial of Bianca is probably a great thing for them because that actually means that Bianca can be the like uber baby face now up against Becky, in my opinion. I don't know why they did it. On Becky. Yeah, I think I think three of us said the same thing at once there. I, I, I don't think that the fans are blaming Becky for that though, right? Yeah, but they can turn that into the story, can't they? I I'm a, I'm a little bit inclined to agree with Brummett, like he's about like it's it's the Adam Cole situation. Like I just I just can't see the fans turning on Becky no matter what she does. But you know, I, I hope like I hope so, because obviously we're all big believers in, you know, cheering the baby faces and doing the heels, but um, I just I think Becky's almost untouchable, but we'll see where it goes. I'd, I'd still like to see the match. Don't get me wrong; I'm still happy to happy to get involved in that. And there's also the the slightly interesting thing in terms of where was where was Sasha Banks? Is she ill? Is she injured? We don't know exactly. And they and they previous to um, SummerSlam, um, she seemingly formed the stable with Aaliyah and Carmella with the um, with the premise being that she's always one step ahead of Bianca and maybe they can turn this into another thing that it was Sasha's doing. I don't know how that really helps, but there could be a storyline there too. They, it, so it's has obviously, like we say this every week now, we're not a dirt sheet podcast, but has there not been any news about where Sasha was? I think, I, I mean... I read something about her just not being medically cleared or something like that, but they knew about that like eight days ago or something, but they still ran the promos and stuff just to obviously that's when they were like, we need to bring Becky back as to replace her. But I think, yeah, I think that apparently they knew for a while that she's just not going to be there because she's just not cleared. That's what I read. Yeah. Well, I I actually saw a headline uh, like a, I don't know, maybe like during the week, five days before, you know, that said um, Sasha versus uh, Bianca is in jeopardy. And I just thought, I'm like, oh, well, that's not from a reputable source. It's all just rubbish. But, yeah, like it seems like you're right, Ro. I think think they were trying to maybe have it both ways, a little bet each way there. What was your thought, Shaf? So, obviously, you came in speaking about Edge. Um, into as you segued into Becky, yeah, sorry, yeah. In, in terms of Edge, like all I saw was the entrance, which was awesome, but it just made me, I'll be honest, it made me a little bit sad that the, the brood entrance seemed to get zero reaction. Um, because it's really cool when they do different things, and it for us, you know, obviously having lived through the attitude era and stuff like that, any sort of callback to that is you know amazing for us. So for the the crowd to not really react to it, I mean, it kind of made me feel like a bit old and um, irrelevant. <laughs> um, and, you know, it kind of just, we're obviously going to go on to talk about AEW, but it just, it was another one of those things that just sort of highlighted to me that, you know, this product isn't really aimed at me. You know, it's most of the people who are watching this are, are not the people that were watching 20 years ago. So they weren't, or 25 years ago, so they won't necessarily get a brood reference. Um, and this is complete conjecture, Shaft, but I imagine if Christian did a similar thing in AW, the crowd would go bananas, right? Yeah, because it's just a different type of fan, isn't it? It's a different type of product. Um, so, yeah, like I was really happy to see it, uh, but at the same time, really 
sort of sad that it didn't get, you know, a huge reaction because it was so cool. Um, but yeah, it was just another one of those things that highlighted that this isn't really for us anymore. Um, going on to Becky, um, obviously I have, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've, have I watched a pay-per-view since Mania? I might've seen one. I don't watch the weekly shows. I don't read the, you know, the only updates I get on the show really are from you guys or from stuff that I accidentally stumble upon online. Um, with Becky coming back, I mean, Charlotte is a hill, right? Um, yeah. Sasha is a hill. Yeah. Is Bailey still a hill? She is, but she's out for quite some time. Right. Okay. So, like, why would you need another hill? I mean, obviously, going on from, you know, what you guys were just discussing, that doesn't really make sense, does it? That all their sort of star name women would be hills, with the exception of Bianca. But they've spent all this time building Bianca, obviously, with that awesome Mania win, the, you know, the great Mania uh, main event. Um, you know, to just sort of beat her in like seconds, it just kind of felt like it erased all that. And I don't even think that it's a case of, you know, this is trying to make her look heelish or anything like that. It's, you know, WWE have a, a history of doing stuff like this, don't they? You know, whether it's Rock beating Rowan at WrestleMania or, you know, they, it's not unusual for them to do these sort of short-term matches. And to me, like, we're obviously going to go on and speak about punk and stuff like that, but just the con the the massive contrast contrast was there because it's clear what they were going for. When Becky came out, for me, the commentators were so overboard that it actually took me out of the moment rather than dragging me in. Uh, one one of them said um, that Becky's one of the biggest stars in the world. Now, not one of the biggest, you know, wrestling stars, but they actually tried to make out that she's one of the most famous people on the planet. And that type of hyperbole just felt so inorganic compared to, you know, the, the uh, debut we saw the night before in AEW. Uh, so it just kind of, yeah, I don't I, know, I guess, because they were saying yeah. all that, but at the same time, the crowd was more than three times bigger and made half the noise, you know, and I just, I don't know. It left me a little bit cold. I'm not trying, <laughs> sorry, go on, Rob. I was going to say, if you're having to be told that someone's the biggest star in the world, they're probably not the biggest star in the world. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like when someone starts a sentence with "I'm not racist," but <laughs> like it just it was just too much. They like I understand what they were going for, obviously with that, and you know we'll move on to Brock, but they were trying to upstage what had happened the night before and take all the headlines. But to me, it just didn't really work, um, and. Again, in contrast, if she would have cut, you know, if she would have come out at the end of the match and faced down Bianca, then you still would have had that moment. But then we would have something to build to. We would have a match to be hyped for. But it kind of feels like now, what now? What is the story? Whereas, like, you know, again, mentioning Punk, like he built to a match, whereas she's already had the match. Like, I've got no interest in seeing uh, Becky versus Bianca now because I already know that she can win. Like very, very easily. Does anyone have any any thoughts on why they did that rather than what Shafi just suggested, which was made the most sense in the world? I I I, I don't know about why they booked the match in the first place. Um, it, it does now that Shafi says it. It does sound like it would have been better if Bianca killed Carmella in a match and then Becky came out and faced it down. 
I thought the match was so short, not because they were trying to bury Bianca or anything like that, but I just thought it was probably just because Becky wasn't expecting to have to wrestle before the day of the show and she's just not in shape. I mean, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, as in like ring shape, she might be a bit rusty or whatever is what I meant because she hasn't been practising. And, um, and, and, and Shafi touched on it there then. So what do you think that she was thrown in because of... Um, injury and needed or do you think that Vince it is an it is a punk thing is that is that what what you guys think and Brock as well or, or do you think it was pre-planned or, or what or one was and one wasn't or I know it's conjecture but but what do people think on that at, at no point did I think that it was that it was pre-planned to me I was the whole thing smacked of we're doing this two hours before the show because Sasha hasn't passed the fitness test so that, that's that's just what I thought. I could be wrong though. Like, who, who fucking knows what that old man's thinking? But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. What does anyone think differently? Anyone think that it's definitely Vince just trying to upshow AEW? Yes. Yeah. I, just re- I realize I've been on mute for the last five minutes. And I thought I was just being ignored. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's well, to me it was just a complete like clickbait. Let's get yeah. Let's get the headlines. We'll take. They've got some headlines. Let's take some headlines. And I, was, I thought what Shafi said, especially with like stuff like the commentary, made complete sense. I'm pretty sure during the Punk return, the commentators didn't say anything. Like, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I didn't really speak. They just let it. They let the moment happen. And as someone who's done a degree in sportscasting, that's what you need to do at times when the moment's happening. You can just let the crowd, especially on TV. You can let the crowd tell the story. And WWE didn't really do that. They have to go overboard and do the whole sell it to us. Whereas AEW just let the moment happen. And that's a massive difference. And there's a massive difference in why it was that well uh, so well received, I think, personally. It, yeah, it's a good point. It's, it's great to have that insight, James, as someone who, you know, comes from that broadcasting background. Um yeah, great, great point. Because I, I didn't really think about that. They were, they always. Richie Ben used to say that. That was sort of his catchphrase. You know, it's, it's, it's. You got to be brave and let silence happen sometimes. Yeah, but, exactly. But uh, it, it sort of comes. You know, looking at the bigger picture, it's almost that need to micromanage everything that they don't even trust the crowd to react in the right way and still have to guide that storyline by talking all over it. And you don't trust probably the, the biggest organic star that they've had in the last three years, you know, arguably. Well, that's the thing. Now I'm like, what were they? What are they going to do next with Bianca? Like, will they just make a taste of the title and get it back, or will will they will Becky just keep it? If because if Becky's not in ring shape, why has she got the title? Like, is she going to be able to defend it? But I, I think it was like a combination of trying to do sort of like Vince is trying to shock and get some headlines, and the fact that. Yeah, she she wasn't ready, and they just were like, "Let's just give her a quick squash victory just to make some headlines." The, the truth is probably somewhere in between, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like after after um, Rampage, I, I think it was after Rampage. Stephanie came out and said, "We've got loads planned. We've got loads of surprises. You know, don't worry, sort of thing." So I think it's it's more than likely that Becky was already booked for the show. But as for actually winning the title, that could very much have been a last minute decision. Uh, from everything else that we've ever read about, you know, WWE. Yeah. No, fair points all around. 
I, I had one more thing I wanted to mention about SummerSlam, which was a bit of a silly one, um, maybe sort of a, a little bit more lighthearted. So I watched the um, – and, and, Ross, you mentioned uh, Sheamus and Damian Priest, and I thought that was a great match as well. I, I did really enjoy it. Um, I felt like it just felt like a bit of a raw match, to be honest, but I still liked it. But I was talking to Matt Connolly at the time, and unfortunately he's not here to bring this up himself, but he was saying about how he thinks that Damien Priest's character is a vampire. And, and I was like, and I was talking, I'm like, well, I never, I don't, I've never heard of that. And I was like, am I wrong or is he wrong? Like, because he was saying about, oh, no, he's like a fun-loving vampire that, like, fights people and then goes out drinking all night and drinking blood. And I'm like, I don't know if that <laughs> Has anyone else got that ever? Like, or has Matt Connolly just dreamt this up in a fever dream? But that's just Matt Connolly, mate. We were, I was talking to him about Lance Storm the other day and he was trying to persuade me that he was a vampire as well. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's, is he just a vampire, Mark? Yeah, he just thinks everyone's a vampire. He's got a problem, that lad. Oh, that explains why why his head started spinning around when Edge did the brood entrance. <laughs> it also explains why every time Pete was trying to speak about the Joker, he just kept going on about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said he was Team Jacob or something. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> like just quietly, if you weren't Team Jacob, there's something wrong with you. But that's a whole other podcast. Uh, quick, quick one actually for you lads on well, kind of on SummerSlam. How was the how was the event that that you went to? Was that was that kind of well well run? Was it fun or not? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start off just with like I I, re- I thought it was really really well run. Um, there are a couple of things that I would do differently if I was a promoter. Um, like Nate, I just feel like they were on the microphones a bit too much, the promoters and stuff. But it, it was fine, and they let the show, you know, when the show was on, it was all run well, technology was good, sound was good. Um, the one thing for me, and this is not necessarily hooked on wrestling's fault, but we were paying seven pounds a pint. And, like, for me, if I was, like, I, I get it, like a sports bar in, you know, pretty much central London, I suppose, they've got to pay the rent. Um, but fuck me, that's a lot of money for a pint. And I, I just thought, like, a place like that, if you know there's a party coming in where you've got it, you know how many people are coming, could they not have thrown on a couple of specials or something? You know, could they not have said, all right, um, you know, wrestling fans, you know, buy, even if you're in a group, you know, buy four, you know, six for the price of four or something, or even if they said one promo, Jaeger bombs, four for a tenner or something. Like, I, I really, I really just felt, I was like, oh, I would enjoy this more if there was some sort of, you know, um, deal on but that's that's not hooked on wrestling's fault. I'd I'd say that the uh, red wine was very reasonably priced for a sports bar, twenty quid a bottle. Can't can't go too wrong with that. To be fair, compared to the pint prices. Yeah, and I, I think the only people that were drinking that were the vampire contingent. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you got a free a pair of uh, the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what our house reds call, translates to, isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? It's uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough to make a joke about the Diablo did del Cusinglio or whatever it is. You did get a, a free pack, a free pack of top trumps in your free DVD though, which uh, with the uh, about three hour wait for the show to start meant we could do wrestling mimes to guess who the wrestlers we had in the top trumps were, which was a was a great uh, time passer. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, it meant that I got to give uh, I got to give Phil a um, skull crushing finale and James a belly to belly. So I, I enjoyed my time. <laughs> Whilst we're speaking of uh, suplexes, maybe we should bring it back to the main event. I agree. Um, well, uh, Brock Lesnar, big return. Um, and I don't have too many main takeaways from it. Talking about suplexes, though, I heard that after the match, um, it, like dark for the fans, he gave Cena a fuckload of suplexes up, like after the cameras went off. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, I saw that. It's a SummerSlam throwback, that. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> what are, what are, well, what, what are our thoughts on um, Brock returning? Do we is this good business from WWE? What do you think, Shaq? So, I mean, just on the match first, I this was the only match on the card that I watched. Um, yeah. So, obviously, Cena Roman. I haven't seen any of this Roman Re- Roman Reign. Um, pardon the pun. Um, that I know. Obviously, a lot of you guys have enjoyed a lot on SmackDown, so I haven't really seen any of it. Um, I wasn't really particularly hot on the match. I think. Cena just, yeah. I mean, he, he just, he just, to me, just looked worse than back when we used to chant about how bad he was. So, uh, yeah. But, I mean, probably the right result in the end. Is that fair? Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely agree. I agree with all of that. I, I really, I, I was really, I didn't know if it was just because I was really tired at five a.m., but I, I thought it was a really boring match. Um, my favourite part of it was Roman talking on the like not on the microphone, but when he talks to the camera, like that's that's pretty much the only thing I liked about it until the finish. I I thought the most interesting thing about it was that um, John Cena for, for so long was the guy who seemingly had the star power. Like when you saw him, as much as we didn't enjoy the wrestling, you had to admit in terms of the crowd reaction and the way that he interacted with the crowd and the, the kind of reactions that he could garner out of the crowd, you had to admit that he was WWE's star power. I think here, Roman massively outshone him. And that's a great thing. That's what they were trying to do. I think that was the whole point, but I agree. Like, I found it quite sort of like a, it was, it was boring sort of main event. And like, if you think about previous sort of like, you can call it passing of the torch matches like Rock and Hogan, and then like Brock and Rock at SummerSlam, you know, they were memorable. They were epic sort of like main event matches. This is sort of, I guess, maybe because obviously he's got movie commitments and stuff and he can't get injured. There was maybe seen was holding back and he was playing safe. He wasn't doing it. I mean, he was always, you know, never been the best sort of in ring like wrestler wise, but it just felt as if he was playing safe and just you know just to avoid getting any unnecessary injury because that obviously fucks up his movie commitment. So it was just it was like just running by the numbers. So it was you know for the build up for this it was really good, like their promos and stuff. The actual match is just it was just a bit yeah. Um, thought- then obviously the, the Lesnar was it was a shock um but i don't know I, I think it came i think again i read somewhere they were going to try and build for roman and brock match some wrestlemania i think in 2023 but they obviously brought him back early again with the shock i think to counter the whole cm punk thing but and and, and that's and surely that is utterly insane like yeah. if, if you park not him coming back but if you park the rock who has what by the time of next WrestleMania, would have probably wrestled six seconds in nine years. Like Brock versus Roman, 
is the biggest match WWE could put on. I mean, I know obviously it's happened before, but head of the table Roman versus Brock is is the gargantuan match. And for the fact that I see, I mean, what, what is it going to go on in Saudi then? Is that is that the rumour? Like, if it's not going on in Mania? Because if that's the case, that is utterly fucking batshit, surely. Is that not like part of the problem that the biggest match is still these people? Like Roman Reigns, fine, he's he's there. You've built him up, fair play. Then you just keep throwing in, like, let's bring back John Cena. We'll bring back Brock Lesnar. We'll bring back The Rock. Like that, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Where's where's the people you you're building up for him? Who who people want to see? Why why isn't that a thing? Yeah, the only one I can think of is Reginald. <laughs> it 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 felt like they had something going there for a little while with Cesaro, but it it just yeah, he wasn't even on the show. I was literally about to, to mention that. Yeah, that's that's it. he wasn't. Even, I was watching um, uh, what was it yesterday? There was there's on the network. There's a WrestleMania, like they do the behind the scenes um, on the day of or whatever it is. And they obviously were building up Cesaro. And I was just like, his story of how he got to that singles, first singles match in WrestleMania was a big deal. And they built up. And then I'm just like, he wasn't even booked on their second biggest, arguably their second biggest show of the year. So it just shows, yeah, how poor WWE booking actually is. I know, I know it's so kind of lazy. Well, not, not, it's not even journalism, is it? But content. But like to just say, this wrestler is good. I'd like to see him in AEW. But Cesaro falls firmly in the category of like he would just be so incredible in that company. Like that, yeah. You can edit this out, Dom, because it's such shy content. But like, it's just one that you just think, fucking hell, like that is where he should be. Like, but there you go. But the well, bigger issue is that that applies to the majority of the mo- of the roster. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's why it's, it's, sh- and, it's shit on my head. But and, that's just one that I get a semi on about. Um, and it's not at that point. You kind of have to think that, like everyone going to AEW, is obviously not sustainable. Exactly, it's, do- yeah. it's WWE that need to change. It's not everyone that need to leave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just quickly on the match. One thing about the actual match that I thought was funny was that, considering how sloppy Cena was, he, he was trying to win the match with wrestling moves and roll ups and all these different. I thought that was a, an interesting little wrinkle. Um, you know, because he's never sort of been known for his technical wrestling and he's pulling out schoolboys and all sorts to try and sneak a win. I guess that was supposed to portray his desperation in the, uh, you know, in the face of unsurmountable odds or how dominant Roman was. But uh, yeah, I like that, Jeff. And like in the build up, he even admitted that in his promo that Roman's bound to kick his ass. He hasn't wrestled for X amount of years. And all and all that it would take is one, two, three, and the whole thing was that like you're gonna kick my ass, but I could steal one basically. Okay, fair enough. I guess storytelling. Um just on Brock, like my reaction obviously your reaction or the things you've kind of said it was quite different from, from what I thought. My thought was more like who needs to see that match again? You know, we've seen it at what, two manias? Is that right? Like who's yeah, clamoring? Yeah, who's clamoring to see Brock and Roman again? I actually think it's really an interesting match because it's a massive 
different dash of paint on each wrestler, isn't it? And you've got a built-in story with Heyman. And it's the first time that Brock will be facing how many years? Yeah, but there's probably, there's probably a good reason for that. Oh. You know, the, oh, last, the last time he was faced was against, like, what, Big Show? 2003, Brock Lesnar. Bloody um, like I was, I was just gonna do a quick straw poll then, because I, my, one of my things about Lesnar coming back was like, surely, I mean, I know like Ross, Ross is spot on when he said that Goldberg is gonna get another go at Crown Jewel or whatever, or a tag team match with his kid, but Nick surely, grief. surely, 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 we we would rather, wouldn't we, um, Lesnar come out and face off with Lashley? Hundred percent. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. And Lashley, I think Lashley has been going for that match for a long time. So unless they do this whole thing where he comes out, is it yeah today on Raw, and then just you know stares down Lashley, and then comes out and stares down um, Smojo, and then it's just thought like, oh, who's he going to face at whenever it is? But we'll say I'm back. I don't know if they do that, but if it's yeah. Well, yeah. Lashley was gunning for that match originally, if yeah. I remember rightly, when it was legit. I think he wanted he wanted to fight in MMA. I think going back, so they can maybe play on that. But it's it's obviously it's very difficult when they've got to talk about real fighting. But um, yeah, you don't really care about that. But yeah, there's there's a lot there, isn't there? It's unbelievable that the match hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. You know it's how they've managed to avoid that. You know. Is, it's quite interesting now that they're both that both Becky and Brock seem to be going over to SmackDown, and because SmackDown's the the show that's getting the numbers and bringing in the money, isn't it? it which I mean is another like massive indicator of the issues with WWE at the moment, isn't it? That even that Raw's even the the it being the flagship show is no longer the draw because previously, no matter how good SmackDown was. It would never beat Raw just on name name value alone, and now Raw's like the ratings are terrible. Yeah, it's it's such easy mudslinging to just like not even watch Raw and be like, yeah, didn't watch it, but it was shit. It's just <laughs> like a running joke, isn't it? Like, but it's the thing is, also- we all know what's wrong with it as well. It's so easily fixed. Put the belt on Sheamus. <laughs> <laughs> I I. Could- I, I I got a book an idea for Raw, but I'll save it for when we're doing fantasy booking one one week. It it's it's essentially Riddle smashes Randy Orton in the future and then gets built up to face Lashley slash Goldberg slash Lesnar. Riddle's the savior of that program, I think. But anyway, that's 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 another episode. On on that, just we'll just come to see you talk about it. Is um because I don't watch main roster stuff. Is is Riddle over? Big time. Is he? Well, they, they've given him the shine up run by putting him in this tag team with Orton. Oh yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. Of, I've heard RK Bro mentioned and stuff. But yeah, I'm not. Yeah, that's uh, that's that, that's interesting. I mean, well, he's he's a, he's a very very good wrestler, isn't he? But so cl- classic WWE booking will be when they break up, Orton will beat him in a feud, you know, and then it's just going around in circles with Orton versus Lashley or whatever. But mm-hmm. something different would be Riddle beats Orton clean. And then Riddle actually, you know, gets a main event slot. But anyway. Um, guys, I, I don't want to sort of rush people here, but should we talk a bit about NXT? Sure. Well, I just had one more SummerSlam question. Just Where was the yeah. pyro? 
there was literally no pyro in the entire shot. And it was that just they couldn't, weren't allowed to do it. Even like that, part of me thought they might have done the brood entrance for Edge because they couldn't do the fireworks or something. But there was literally no pyro in the whole show. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Good spot. They had they smoke. They had like really weird shit smoke, but there was there was no pyro for even um, Goldberg's entrance. There was literally just smoke and there was no pyro. Wow. Yeah, I saw someone getting the Gilberg treatment. <laughs> worse than that. I saw someone's fan video of the Becky Lynch return, and the smoke went off in front of them, and it didn't clear for like three minutes. And they missed the whole match. <laughs> <laughs> From what JCH is saying, I'm imagining Nick Gage with a sparkler now in front of Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't notice the pyro thing. I want I you know I I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. I wonder if there's some sort of rule in that stadium in Vegas. There must be, yeah, because there was literally like. Nothing. Even Edge's like entrance. Obviously, that's his a big thing. Is is the fireworks and stuff. But that didn't happen. And then and when they opened the pay per view, there's a lot of pyro, but there's nothing. I'm pretty oh. sure Vegas have like fire shows and stuff there. I, I can't imagine that's a state. If if all the states to have like no no fireworks, <laughs> Vegas seems the last on the list. So I'd be guessing that. Of, of all the states to have laws, Vegas is last on the list. Well, on Nevada, I, if, should I say? If you think about like manias and stuff, oftentimes they'll have the pyro on top of the stadium, won't they? Like yeah. not on the entrance. I, like, I don't know. I do, I'm not sure. I, I'm not educated enough to know the answer to that. But that's, yeah, it's a good spot. I, I didn't notice that at all. Was it as simple as the fact that it was a summer show? And was it even dark? I, like, I can't recall. I was, I was pretty drunk. Was it, outside, was it the outside arena like, where the Raiders are playing? Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's why I got the quiz question wrong. <laughs> I thought it was in the in the indoor where the uh, the other um, what they call Golden Knights play. Yeah. That makes sense. No, yeah, no, it was, at, it was at the Raiders' big new Flash Stadium. The I which I I, I, just, I said to Ross on the night. I said like they missed a trick by not having this in the daytime at Caesar's Palace, like WrestleMania Nine. Big time. Yeah. Um, NXT. Yes, sir. I just, I just wanted like I've only got one major thought on NXT show. Um, I just thought that uh, Dragonov versus Walter. I, I felt like that was just a masterpiece. I best wrestling match I've seen for a long while. I thought, what a fucking match! I think how it's the best people, wrestling match since they fought last. I was about to, to, to say, um, how did people think it um, held up against the one with no audience? I'll, I'll go just quickly, and it's exactly that. No audience last time. It can't compare to when there's a, when there's a crowd. I, 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 I fucking loved it. I actually am in the other way around, but only because of the style that those two work. I thought it just was so aggressive and brutal with no crowd, personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Ross, and, and Dom's right. I think 99 times out of 100 on that, that crowd crowd makes wrestling, right? As, as we've found out very much over the past couple of years. But the um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a, a great point, um, Ross, that there was just something so intimate about that match, and I, I adored it. I actually think, you know, and it's very rare that you say this about WWE, but I think I've seen about seven of their matches, probably, and I think that the best... My favourite three matches of theirs was the the, the two ma- the two singles matches we're talking about in under the WWE banner, um, and the 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 tag match with Wolf and um, Pete Dunne. I, I think they're just three absolute classics, and and they're better than the um, 
there. But the 2018 match, the the carrot goal, the carrot match, and the um, and the progress match as well. Just sort of, I, I genuinely think that that they've been. You know, it's rare that you say this about two guys who had a big feud on the Indies and then moved it over. But that that was um, that. Yeah, I just think those those three matches are. If you can count them as a trilogy, because one's a tag, but I mean that is the absolute top pinnacle of professional wrestling for me. And 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 though I slightly agree with Ross, I think they're so close. They're both just absolute classics. It's like going to the Masawa Kabashi matches and saying, "Oh, which one's best?" Like there's slight nuances between them, but but they're just fucking incredible. I think just two just gorgeous matches, like. If that is the last NXT of the of the old era, then I mean, fucking thank God we got to see that match because it was just gorgeous. I, I just a quick one to me, just a reason for maybe why I disagree on the crowd being back being better for this story, is because imagine if Dragonoff won it without a crowd. Like I think you need like the crowd being there and like sort of because obviously a lot of these people don't know um, Dragonov as well as some of the other stars on the show, for example. Like and just they all just got behind him. Like they he almost wins them over. I know he's had a couple of weeks in NXT and he's had two good matches on TV, but like it's almost like he won them over with the story. And at the end, people popped for him beating the big bad wolf. You know, I, I, I think the crowd added to it, it like more so than what the noise that the chops make would have added to it. Um, and, and, and Dom, actually, I think that there were, yeah, there were two points on that, which is you, you're now starting to sway me over, <laughs> sway me over to your way. <laughs> yeah, there was, because at the start, there was, there was, in the first half of the match, there was a lot more Walter chance. And you're right, he did legit win the crowd over to Dragunov's side by the end. And there was, was that pop. And what a finish, by the way. But but the the other moment, which I loved, and there was actually, and I slag off um, WWE um, production, especially like camera angles. And th- this was, I know this isn't main roster or anything, but they got it absolutely spot on with the, the corner shot of um, uh, Walter kind of on his knees and the kind of torpedo Moscow to his shoulder and the crowd just like popped massively for that. It was, that was again, just fucking beautiful professional wrestling. Here's, um, a, here's a little yeah. start of a 10 on the, um, on, on this, right? Like we've already seen um, to a, to a lesser extent because it was on NXT UK, but the buzz of the match made people go out the way and watch it. And clearly it still hasn't moved the needle to NXT UK and to a lesser extent there was week in week out absolute bangers on 205 live two um two or three years ago Buddy Murphy Cedric Alexander Ali plenty more um contributed to, to that and both of those shows by and large have failed and the likes of Nick Khan point to those shows and say they don't attract a crowd just like like just to start off for 10 of in terms of is that just a genuine case that real wrestling fans, because because those shows are trying to aim towards real wrestling fans, aren't they? They're not trying to be sports and entertainment by and large. Those shows are for the hardcore fans on the network to go out and see. Is it proof that WWE just isn't the place for that? And like they've tried and they've actually made some incredible pieces of work. We'll, on both those, on both of those promotions, but they can't move the needle on either. 
is it just proof for, for like Nick Khan to like as a reason why NXT just won't work? Like AEW have that crowd now because they're seen as the kind of the antithesis of WWE. And whilst you're under the WWE umbrella, it was easy because there was no real competition pre AEW, but now there is. It actually probably does make sense what Nick Khan said. Who's Nick Khan? He's the like new right hand man for Vince. I thought he was the AEW man. <laughs> no, that's Nick Tony. It, it, it is somewhat confusing. Just on um, this, uh, Nick, we have to wrap up the ball because Shafi, I think Shafi's muted this because he, he's just, I don't know if you've seen on the, uh, the chat, he says this is one spoiler he wants to avoid. So I think he just wants us to let him know when we've stopped talking about this. Um, but I've, I haven't seen their first match. Um, I, I, after watching yesterday's one, I want to go back and watch it. But I agree with everyone. I think it was a. Uh, Phenomenal match and definitely the best match I think I've seen all year and probably will see all year. But it's just, I've, I mean, I've, I've seen some Walter matches, not all, but it's just the way he chops. I don't know how Thomas Ch- chest doesn't get caved in. I just wince every time he chops someone. Um, and just the, the brutality of that match, um, it was just phenomenal. Um, it is, a, I guess, just a couple of things, and sorry to to keep Shaff away, but um, the um, it's what this is maybe for if you, if you guys say part this for a round table, but the future of Walter, like Joe, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, Joe, because he was how long was he? He was that cha- the UK champion for like eight hundred or something days, or seven hundred, whatever days. But I guess does that mean now he'll just face go for the NXT title? But I mean, if it if it if they do go that route, and eventually, you know, obviously that sounds fantastic. I really hope it's not soon. I think for two reasons. One, I just have a weird pet peeve about guys who are like obviously big stars, but have like a for want of a better mid card title, and then drop that mid card title to then go after the main title because it's like I know that kind of works like <laughs> in like how we think about it but in like like a kind of a K-Fang point of view like he's just dropped a more minor title why does he why is he now in line for a more senior title but more importantly Joe needs to get back to Joe or the closest thing that we can get to Joe before he gets Walter the Joe that fought carrying cross you know and bless him consider he hadn't had fought in a while I didn't think there was loads of ring rust but this is the fucking, you know, you're at the, you're the fucking in the, the hardest match that you're going to wrestle in one way, you know, Walt's an incredible worker, but in terms of physicality, it like, it's going to be massive. And, and for us as fans, we want to see the best version of that possible. And for that to happen, Joe needs to be on his absolute top and, and, and he's, and he's going to take a while to get there. I think. I, yeah, you, so I was sort of holding this back for when we spoke about Joe and Cross, but um, and I and I want to I sort of want to say that I'm twice Samoa Joe's weight. Maybe I'm a big fat guy. I'm not here to body shame anyone, but I agree with you, brother. And I thought you said it really articulately. Like Joe, he didn't look in the best shape there last night to me. He looked like he was blowing pretty early, um, and I think I think you were right, but. Well, like it, it doesn't have to be next week, but I, I just think when when you say what's next for Walter, well, I mean I don't care how many people he beats on NXT during the week. I don't care if it's next month in twelve months, 
But I think that's going to be Walter's next big thing. Whether it takes a year to get there, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do, do we actually, just before we get to the main event, do we want to touch on on Cole O'Reilly? Um, and anyone, anyone got any thoughts on that? I'll just quickly um, point out a, a little thing on the fact that Joe's lack of cardio in that match, it was kind of perfect because he didn't want him in a way to kind of come back perfect because you because he's been out for two years and it kind of played into the um, babyface dynamic, uh, I actually felt, a little bit. And it made it a, like a massive battle. I just loved seeing him just like almost like heaving with just like perspiration and then still going through the pain barrier to like get the job done like and then also we haven't mentioned like hitting the hitting the muscle buster that was a pop i didn't why is that again this is my lack of knowledge why is that a pop is that just something he used to do so he so he so like that was his his finisher for a long 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 time then he even broke, wwe i thought it was the, the thing you clutched even when he was in the main in, the main roster so like pre pre WWE. Oh, okay. So like and Ring then, of Honor. Oh, yeah. And then in NXT, he, he used it and then he broke Tyson Kidd's neck. Oh, shit. Okay. Didn't know that. And that's why Tyson Kidd hasn't wrestled since. Oh, fuck. Definitely didn't know that. Hmm. So either they just don't care about carrying cross or it's back. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a bit of both. Um, <laughs> am, I, am I right to tell Sharf he's safe to come back? Are we done with Joe? Uh, who the fuck wrestled Dragonoff? Walter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Brummett, you, you mentioned, uh, Cole and O'Reilly. Um, like I, I, I'm, I don't want to be negative. It was a great match. I thought it was just another Adam Cole pay-per-view. I use those in inverted commas match. He like with the handcuffs and the, like, he always has to have and the chains and the chair. Like, it's like, I, I kind of felt like I've seen this one. Completely dumb, and and this is, and I'm from someone who I love, Paul and I love O'Reilly, both of them, but I was just not interested in it because it's, again that that format has just, and it seems like they've kind of taken on the mantle from Champa Gargano, and it's just like, oh, just bored. As you said, that format has been been done to death, um, and I just, but they're both incredible performers, and I hope that whatever they do next we just get to see something a bit a bit fresh from them i like i like the finish and stuff but like but again sorry we touched it before like fuck those fans like absolutely little fucking basement dwelling cunts like they can just all fuck off like like kyle o'reilly's like a good like he's a good guy he's a nice bloke he's a face you know there's nothing wrong with his character just because you fucking like like adam cole like fuck off like the worst kind of wrestling well not the worst but one of the maybe the third level of hell of wrestling fans like those cunts fuck off well whilst we're digging into the fans like my least favorite part of the match as well so and and you know what you know what was awful it wasn't just that they were cheering for cole they actually booed o'reilly at times exactly yeah exactly and and but even worse than that for me maybe the fourth level of hell of wrestling fans is we want tables Shut the fuck up. Stop trying to book the match yourselves. Yeah. Anyway, I don't like it. Yeah. That's, that's my pet peeve. Sorry. 
And also there was a point in the match where the people who clearly were tired of the booing and um, cheering of, um, of the hill, rather than trying to just cheer for O'Reilly, they started a both these guys chant. Fuck off. Yeah, that's also fucked. <laughs> so my take on this match was, one, the dirt sheets fucking ruined this match. Everyone was more invested in if, like, if Cole wins, then he's staying. If Cole loses, then he's going. Like, that became the, like, talking point of the match in terms of the, like, social sphere. I hate, I absolutely hate that shit. Like, I don't want to know about that sort of shit if that's all that that's about. Like, the of a trilogy that's been built over the course of 12 years or, 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 or whatever it is since Future Shock started. And the fact that that, that that is the big storyline to people rather than the actual storyline in, in wrestling, I fucking hate and fuck that bullshit. Um, and secondly, whilst it was bullshit that the crowd were cheering for Cole and probably cheering for him mostly because they wanted him to win so that he stays in that promotion as they're probably big fans of that promotion. Adam Cole as a heel can do so much more to not get cheered. Why is he still doing the hands in the air baby stuff? Like he's constantly parading around, look like looking at the crowd, trying to get the crowd to, to cheer him. Like we've seen with, with, with Roman Reigns in the past two years, how to cut out all the stuff that you, was making you cheered and get and getting booed like there's ways around it like people who say oh it's just because he's more over than the baby face that's not strictly to true he can do a lot more to be an actual him completely i've been saying that for years about adam cole how easy is it to not just fake do a fake out and get a boo he's an egotistical prick useless cunt <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hope that he doesn't go and ruin Brit in AEW. I don't think they would be allowed to show that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe they they could in basketball season when they have those fucking mental time slots and the main event goes on at midnight. Yeah, maybe. Oh my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, but, but I did, by the way, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, agree with that. I think that's one of the things. Like I, yeah, like AW. We'll, we'll probably get to it later. Is getting really stacked, and I think that's maybe one person too many in terms of added value, especially when there is an act that he could negatively <laughs> negatively impact that. Yeah, the it's this is a whole round table, I'm sure, but I'm I've the scales have nearly tipped now to the point where I'm like, yeah, maybe don't sign anyone for a while. Um as we were talking about how um wrestlers can do their best to make a crowd react in the way that the booking is is trying to, can we just take a moment out to to, to applaud both Cameron Grimes and and Ellie Knight? Both of those guys played their roles so well in the opening match, and the crowd reacted how you want them both to. Both these guys, both these guys, <laughs> and the crowd reacted how you want them to, to react. They were, they were a hot crowd for that open, and they were so into tr- hopefully seeing Grimes win the title off of Knight. And both of the guys, I thought, were absolutely brilliant. Brilliant opening match. Yeah, I, right. I I enjoyed it a lot more than Carl O'Reilly, which is ridiculous, but I did. 
Can I, can I ask a question about LA Knight and Cameron Grimes um, to a real regular viewer? Are they, did they do like a double turn? Or was, because like the bits I'd seen when I've been like dipping in, when I know like Grimes lost the match and with being a butler, but he seemed to be the face in that, despite being like a weird sort of, his, I know his character's a bit weird, but he, in that dynamic, was he originally the face and they sort of switched that over? Or is, have I just got that completely picked up the wrong way? Uh, he's, he's the face now. Were you watching that thinking LA Knight's the face? I, didn't, well, I, didn't, I haven't watched this one. And oh. I thought, but then I thought, because, I don't know, I saw it like he's got the uh, the million dollar man with him and I thought he was, he's just like a heel, isn't he? <laughs> In oh, right. all, yeah. all, all veterans. So, uh, all veterans are baby faces. In so, so, D- so DBRC made the turn. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, that's okay. That makes sense. Yeah, rather than the, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll go back to being quiet now. <laughs> Shock to absolutely no one, but I really enjoyed the match. I thought, um, I thought that the um, storyline possibly should have been played out way longer. Um, actually, not even possibly. It definitely should have been, but but it's been rushed through. People being called up and injuries and all sorts. Um, it's a bit. It's a bit of a shame that it feels a bit like it's a one and done um, thing. But the match itself, I thought, was really good. They've got really good chemistry. Raquel is easily probably the best big woman that they've got now. Apart from well, now that Rhea Ripley's gone as well, like I would say that yeah, she, like she is brilliant at what she does. I just hope that they keep her as a heel now. Um, I know that I've said this in the past, but they've kind of flip-flopped on her characteristics since her run, and she's way, way better at being a heel. Um, and I love the fact that they've seemingly brought in Kaylee Ray, someone who's earned her um, way into the main NXT roster. Um, on, I guess, from the Dakota Kai standpoint, and I don't know if I'm just late to the party or this is just a a wrong take but um obviously she's like charismatic and stuff but she's like a really good hand isn't she yeah she's great yeah i don't know if that's just me being like late to party and she's always been good but i've always thought she was just like pretty solid but she's actually a really good hand like properly a decent worker um and i guess i've just never really appreciated it before but but yeah not much it's like and all of the NXT women's division improve quickly, don't they? Like, I think this is just like yeah. me giving a little shout out to Sarah Del Rey. Like, she must just do unbelievable work with them down there. I mean, like, she's a fucking brilliant, isn't she? But yeah, like one of the, one of the wrestlers of our generation. Um, yeah. But I'm glad she's got a good paycheck and probably you know healthcare and stuff and a retirement. But there's, there's um, talk of t- <clears throat> of Kai being brought up now to the main roster, um, and I think that the perfect th- uh, thing for her would be to um, join forces with Tegan Knox and, and reform Team Kick and uh, move away from Shotzi because Shotzi and Tegan Knox is such a weird combination that it just doesn't work. I I didn't even really know that was a thing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, last call for NXT. So, uh, Brummett, you want to talk a little bit about progress this week? How's it, how's it all going? Yeah, well, it's, well, there's a, there's a lot of it. 
um so it's rather than the two-week break it was um a week i don't know if it's how the schedule is working or whatever but they had um yeah just the the the, the following following saturday we got 10 matches on this card so I thought it was like, it was like watching a, an AW Dark or Elevation or whatever they call their YouTube shows. There was a lot of wrestling, which is hard because it's all like, it's all good. And like no issues really with any of the matches. Just, there was just a lot of it really. And it's kind of, it was just a bit desensitized to it. And, and again, it's uh, the, the challenge. And we all keep clamoring for, for I think, progress to come back live because they've, put a lot of effort in, into building up all these new stars, but without, I think without the crowd now, it's like, it just feels a lot like spinning wheels at the moment. Um, apart from Spike Trevay, who is, I mean, again, quite a cold take, but he is just the hottest thing on that show by a mile. He's doing excellent work um, where he's basically, I don't know if you guys mind spoilers or not, but he's, um, because he's had all these wins and he's not got a shot at Kara, he's basically fighting people and not caring about the win. So just getting DQ'd or whatever and just being a bastard. And he's just grown so much as a worker from when we used to see him back in the day. He's um, him and Kara, which I, I don't know if it's going to be the first show when they're back or, or whatever it is, but that I think that'll be absolute gangbusters with a live crowd. I think it's going to be fantastic. And it's, yeah, so, so with progress, it's no, no, no hot takes or anything, but it's just, it gets to the point where it's just, it's just spinning wheels now. And they, we just, and I know this, this isn't a knock on progress because I know that they're, um, have been probably the most, well, the most conscientious of, of promotions in terms of making sure that they've got all their ducks in order before they go back live. But, um, and I, I probably don't speak for everyone when saying this because I know a lot of people for a variety of reasons have got concerns about going back to venues and whatever. But for me, selfishly, fuck me, I cannot wait to be back at the ballroom and watching Spike and Kara kick the shit out of each other. Am I right in thinking that they're going weekly now with the with the shows on the network as well? I, 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 I don't know. Apologies, Dom. It, it, it was, this one, there was just a week gap. So I don't know if it's going to be every week. Um, yeah, every week now, bro. Is it? Wow. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we're going to get ten a week. I'll, um, yeah, I might, I might need to, I might need to start hiring a babysitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fair whack of wrestling. I mean, but, but obviously that's great because all these, all these talents are getting a payday. So don't complain about that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a, a, fair, a fair whack of wrestling. You could get your baby to watch wrestling instead. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it beats fucking Coco Melon or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Different shows, different needs. <laughs> I'd rather watch Raw than some of the shit that he watches. <laughs> It'll help him sleep too. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's round table, it's CM Punk. This is the Wrestle Chibi Fod Roundtable. Ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? Have you ever, ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? If all the king's horses had um, So obviously, I mean... You know, we'll move on to Rampage. That was the big thing of this week. But Dynamite was very solid. Again, we're obviously building to All Out in, what, two, three weeks? Um, so there were some good things on the show. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Sammy and uh, Sean Spears, 
had another match. I had no appetite for it whatsoever before watching it because um, we've already seen this feud. Um, don't really, you know, I've sort of spoken extensively before that all through this inner circle stuff for probably the best part of the last year, I feel like the, the feud was really Sammy versus MGF and we still haven't got there. So to see Sammy versus Sean Spears after he's he's beaten him previously, he obviously pinned him um, in the stadium stampede match. So for them to book this again was a bit odd, I thought. Um, but the match itself was way better than I expected. It's probably the the best Sean Spears match I've ever seen. I was really into this match. I don't know if anyone else had any thoughts on that one. Yes, I thought exactly the same, mate. And interestingly, there was, I don't know if you remember, but when he was Ty Dillinger and he's like, all his mates were like the best indie workers of the noughties. And like, they all talked about him like he was this shit hot worker. And um, I never really saw it. I saw him like a solid hand, but not really anything more. And he went to AEW. It's like, oh, now we get to see what this Spears guy that all these like, Ace, all these ace guys that he knocks around with and says he is and didn't really see anything more. But this was one where, you know, and it wasn't like fucking McGuinness Danielson or anything, but it was, it was, a, I completely agree, Shaft. I'm really glad you brought it up. I, I really enjoyed that match. And I thought, yeah, I thought Spears looked at a million bucks. I agreed on everything, all counts. I, I thought it was a great match as well. I just think the, the quality of some of the TV matches that they are putting out like week in week out they are like i would have been happy to see this on a pay-per-view you know i would have been happy for that color of a match on a pay-per-view um so yeah it's great stuff speaking of another great match on this card obviously they had the aw tag team championship match between the young bucks and jurassic express um yeah it was like again like a very engaging match very exciting for a tv match i thought um for me, a, a few months ago, before the Bucks Hilton, we had a conversation about how they were a bit directionless. And, you know, they, they sort of found that by reforming the elite as such uh, with Don Callis and the Good Brothers, etc. Um, with the Bucks, I'm kind of at this stage now where like, I don't mind that they won. Like, obviously, that was the right decision. Um, but I don't really know if they're building effective heat with me. Like, I almost feel like their act... And Kenny's as well, to perhaps a lesser extent, has gone from sort of cocky, show-offish hill to, I almost think it's too pantomime at this point. Um, and it kind of just takes me out of things, you know. Like, I, I get, you know, the, the elites, the Toon Squad, like, thing they did a couple of weeks ago was great. That was fine. But in the match, there's just a bit too much sort of, I don't know, grandstanding or just... To, they don't. It kind of feels like they're not really giving off that the opponents are much of a threat, but it doesn't come across heat like massively, you know, heat-inducing to me either. It just, I don't know. I don't know what anyone else's thoughts on that it might be. Do you, Do you think that it's because it's a bit too wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Like, oh, we're all in on this. Yeah, we're the bad guys. Boo now. I just, I don't really like it if I'm perfectly honest, like the matches that they have are fine. It's just these little bits that they do during the matches that I just, you know, if it's almost making me not take the match seriously, which is, you know, the opposite of the whole point as AWs are, you know, a very sort of wrestling based promotion. Uh, maybe the, the part that I'd really agree on as well is um, callous on commentary. It, it's, it's like, it's a bit too cartoonish. 
I think for me, for my taste, maybe some people love it. I don't know. Or maybe some, maybe even better. Maybe some people hate it. And maybe some people really want to see Callis get his ass kicked. But uh, for me, it's just kind of like, oh, that's kind of funny. But it's, it's not really adding much to the to them being do you bad. Think, do you think, Shaf, that they're a little bit like, oh, we're so like fed up of Cornette saying that we're playing pro wrestling, that they're just kind of being so postmodernist that it's now gone full circle? I mean, maybe, but I think at the end of the day, does it make for a, a good product? Does it make me actually want someone to like? Because their role is for me to want someone desperately to take the titles off them because they're holding on to them by the skin of their teeth each week, and it's not really, it's not really doing that. Like for my tastes, yeah, um, and, and I think another part of it is, um, I think AW is too big for that for that kind of. So I think I think Dom put it like the nudge nudge wink wink act. Like if that was in front of like three hundred people in like the dome or whatever in London, like at like or what however big that venue is, like a smaller venue, just seeing that kind of funny like that kind of funny like cartoon heel stuff, I, I I'd be all over it. I think it'd be, be one of the you know greatest acts around. But for a show that's now trying to present itself as as big as it is, yeah. I, I yeah, just echo your guys' thoughts. It's not, it's not quite landing for me, and and I don't think it's like, it's the act. I, I think it is just dialing it back about twenty percent, ten twenty percent, and that's all they need to do, and stop some of them on nudge nudge wink wink. And I think that act, the elite act, all of it is fantastic, um, and I really think Omega and the books have come uh, since since turning a heel fully, of uh, 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 doing fantastic work. But now I think they are, as you guys have, have said, I think they're just gone a little bit too far. I think that's spot on to be honest like it just 10 to 20 percent a little bit more serious like and it would just it would be perfect it would be a perfect act and i would hate them and i'd be seething every week and i would want to see them get their comeuppance yeah um but it's just not quite there at the moment touching yeah. on how you feel but like sorry james you... i'll just say like based on hearing what you're saying about them not thinking there are credible challenges to them is that probably not what they're going for? Are they not taking it seriously because they don't think they're the elite? They don't think anyone's worthy? Maybe. That, that, that does make sense. But they also keep cheating to win every match as well. Like, they're not, they're not dicking down, blokes, you know? Like it's, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Touching uh, on, uh, touching yeah, on how you feel, Chef. Um, I watched Rampage with my mate Phil and he's never seen AEW in his life and he's never seen the Young Bucks in his life and he just massively took to them in terms of like those are my guys it like it, obviously they weren't wrestling they were just kind of like backstage stuff but like he was like they're hilarious they're like they're brilliant and that's not exactly what you want from that is it? No and that probably says as much about Phil as it does about the Young Bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just to double check, Ross, his surname's not Brooks, is it, your mate? <laughs> no, not that guy. Just there, just there, knocking back an ice cream. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Young Bucks, <laughs> right, aren't they? <laughs> Ross is like, it's weird. Everyone thinks you're going to be at this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, on... 
So normally I'm, you know, Mr. AW, like I love this stuff. Um, but straight out of the box, we had another match for All Out um, announced, which was QT Marshall versus Paul White, the big show, <laughs> the giant, whatever you want to call him. Um, and wow, like this, this just, I don't want to see this. I, again, you know, happy to hear alternate opinions, but I've got no desire to see the big show in 2021 on a pay, on a pay-per-view, no less. Um, if it was on Dynamite, sure, I don't mind too much, or Rampage, whatever, but not taking up a pay-per-view slot when they've got this roster of like 80 people who are all amazing, and we're going to have, you know, a fucking big show match. It's just bullshit. Has, has anyone made this observation? I, I hope not, and then I could be a hashtag hot take for me. If not, it's just old and worn out. But is QT Marshall, like, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, like... Like he's just should be nowhere near that roster, but because he's fucking mates with Cody Hogan, he gets a spot. Because it's just like you think of all their talent, and it's like, who's this fucking schlep? Like, yeah, I, I, I mean that's fair enough. I think his tag team with uh, Dustin Rhodes when they were doing a lot of matches on Dark and doing a few like sort of storylines was fine. Like that was you know I would almost say it was almost enjoyable. But the idea of him being the leader of a stable that's got someone like Anthony Agogo in it, who has infinitely, whether you like him or not, whether you you know think he's great in the ring or not, has infinitely more star power than QT Marshall. And it's probably cut a more memorable promo than QT Marshall, um, despite being, you know, five minutes in the business. Like it's just yeah. I I, I the beefcake uh, comparison is, you know, I've got no issues with that whatsoever. What's What's the like best outcome from that match? There isn't one, is there? I'll, 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 I'll play devil's advocate then if, we, if we're going to do it. I'm not that, you know, I'm not gassed up for it or anything like that. I could happily do without it. But when I watch that, I, because of everything you've said, because QT Marshall isn't as good as the other guys and stuff, like I actually think that automatically makes him one of the better heels on the program. Like whether whether it's X Park Heat or not, like I was just like when and when the Big Show came out, I was like, geez, I actually wouldn't mind watching the Big Show knock this cunt out. Like I just sort of in my mind, I'm like, I I can't. I was like, and I wonder if there there must be there must be some casual fans who have heard of the Big Show who might see it on the pay per view bill. Oh shit, Big Show's wrestling. Maybe I'll check this out for the first time. But they so probably that, haven't heard of Paul White. Yeah, I sp- okay, fair enough. I get that. I get it. I'm, I'm most. I actually do want to see this match because I'm just really interested in what Paul White is going to wear. Uh, big I, nappy. Hope, I hope he go <laughs> big nappy. I hope he dress up. I hope he's the the showster. Maybe he'll be the codester. <laughs> Did you not notice when um, Paul White came out? Um, the crowd were almost like. Like just fully expecting a, a big show turn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could tell, couldn't you? Like they were like, "Here we go." <laughs> Saving it for the pay per view. <laughs> no more BS. Double turn. Yeah. QT Marshall's going full Austin. <laughs> yeah. So I could. I'll be honest with you. I could do without that. That that's a definite uh, piss break in the next pay per view. 
Uh, and then obviously, sorry, Dom, I was just going to say the main event, this build-up that we've had for the last you know month or so of the fifth labor of Jericho. We've seen him go through Gage, through um, Hoovertude, through Wardlow. Uh, who else did he beat? Who was the other one? Spears. Okay, of course. In the, in the, in the chair match. Yeah. yeah. Um, and who is me thinking that you liked him? <laughs> uh, well, he was dead to me before this week. You know, so it was only this week that he stepped up and... Uh, yeah, so obviously the fifth labor of Jericho, Jericho versus MJF. We've already seen this once on pay-per-view before, which was obviously the stipulation that MJF got to join the inner circle, which really kicked off this whole storyline with uh, the inner circle and the pinnacle, I guess. Um, the match was, you know, decent enough for a Jericho romp. Um, and I think ultimately no one's really going to disagree that uh, MGF winning was the right outcome. Um, I don't really understand what the whole point of the last month was, to be honest. Um, you know, I guess it filled TV time in it. You know, it was again, I'm going to call for the same thing that we've been calling for for months. After, you know, Sammy's won on this card, uh, MGF has beaten Jericho again. Surely we have to get that Sammy MJF feud now, please. Like, they need to do it, surely. You know, otherwise, you know, the last month has been pointless to me anyway. Is, is, is that all out, do you think? Or is that a bit too soon, Jeff? Or... I mean, can we really say it's too soon when we've been waiting for it for nine months? Yeah, yeah, true. true. Um, but no, I can see your point. Um, because they have very much positioned Sammy in that second place position to now get him to be in you know, a bigger threat than Jericho in two or three weeks is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. But I mean, if you look at the card, you know, most of the big boys don't even have matches yet. Like MJF doesn't have a match. Jericho doesn't have a match. Sammy, Hangman, like hardly any of them are booked yet. And there's already, I think, four or five matches announced. you got to get QT Marshall and Paul White on the show, mate. Exactly. You know. <laughs> You've got to give Big Show that QT rub. Uh, you know, we get, we'll talk about All Out, but let's if we go to Rampage, that will obviously lead us into All Out. So maybe we should go to that? Yeah. So obviously, um, the big talking point of the night, Jade Cargill versus Kira Hogan. Um, I don't know. I feel like we need to build this up bigger than what we can, but I mean, fucking hell. My, I, I don't know if I'm just caught up in the emotion of the week. But I I said to some people on, I think, Ross and Mike on Saturday at the SummerSlam show that I was trying to think after it happened, like, can I remember a, a moment in wrestling that meant more to me? And I'm like, I'm sure there are some, but fuck, I was having trouble thinking of one. Shame at man's return. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I like for me it was like it, it was as big as Rob Van Dam beating Cena at one night stand. Like it was just it was just special. I, I haven't I haven't had an emotional response to anything on television, let alone wrestling, for a, a long time. 
like Harris has just started up his motorbike. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's Tony Khan strapping the rocket to CM Punk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, like, I'm, I'm worried that everyone's going to say similar things here, but I, I, I had a really sort of like, I don't know if it's a funny experience or what, but with the show, because it was actually on my birthday and I was out all day in the pub from one until midnight. And then I, um, well, I got home and I was like, right, I'm staying up. And I fell asleep maybe 15 minutes before it started. But luckily, I still had it on the TV. And when Cult of Personality hit, that's what woke me up. And it was like this really weird sort of days moment where I was like, fuck, am I dreaming or is this actually happening? And, yeah, and like a lot of people, like I'm not going to say that I'm like that guy in the fucking crowd that was bawling his eyes out, but I might have had a tear. Um especially when he mentioned Ring of Honor in the promo and about how in 2005 he left and oh, cuz that was my time and I was just like fuck it's like I it was almost like I was there on that journey with him I was like fuck me too me too mate you know you're back he's back our guy is back um yeah I thought it was poetry what a, what about you guys what about, uh so Harris we've got you on basically to talk about punk cuz you you're a, you're a CM punk guy um, you came on and gave us the roundtable about Punk's Ring of Honor run. Like, how, mate, what, what are you thinking? Well, so yeah, I woke up about six in the morning. Uh, I worked Friday night, got home quite late, went straight to sleep. Um, yeah, woke up, I think some noisy truck was outside my house being a dickhead. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, I had um, a friend, Shad, sent me a link uh, to the show. I put it on and, yeah, it was just like, I had goosebumps watching it. I was, yeah, quite emotional, which was weird. Well, not really weird because it's, well, it is weird because it's someone you don't really know. But as you say, it's like a journey you've been on for what, 20 years or 19, 18 years, whatever. It's quite a large part of your life. And um, yeah, to see it back. And then it was just to see like how much it sort of meant to him, um, which, you know, you see people that you like in any, whether it's your friends, whether it's your family, whether it's like, sports stars or people that you sort of have feel that you have a connection to and you see them happy and it just sort of brings emotion to yourself I think that was sort of the overwhelming uh feeling I got and then yeah just the whole thing it was it was it was great it just seemed like organic and it wasn't come down beat beat someone who's established in 30 seconds and go home it was come down put over some people and you know build up to something and you know and yeah, I, yeah, I really, I, I really enjoyed it, um, and it, it made me feel something. As you say, that's not something that I've had from wrestling for a long time, like especially on TV. But yeah, as you say, some of the in-person moments of like stuff like OJ at Rev Pro and stuff had the feelings. But yeah, to see someone do that on TV was was impressive. I think for me, as uh, in the position I've been in with, with wrestling recently. The big question then, I think that we all want to know is: Is it enough for you to watch all out, James? Uh, yes, I've definitely watched the match, his match. Um, and you know, if the yeah, I might skip big show be QT Marshall, but um, as uh, Shaf said, you know, we need a piss break, but um, no, I'd, I'll, I'll definitely be checking out that show, yeah. That's that's what we want, that's what we're after. Genuine question for Roe, as someone who I know. Pretty much only really watches WWE. Um, um, is Punk someone? Is, um, is is Punk someone that's moving a needle for you in terms of like yeah, like now, like now it's time for me to switch to actually watching these shows, 
Oh it- yeah, like definitely. Like you know, I, I'd love CM Punk when he was WWE, and like obviously I knew there was the rumors and stuff of him going to AW. I haven't watched the show, but I watched the the part that he came and like his speech yeah. felt very heartfelt and stuff. But I think I will. I'll definitely watch the next bit in the pay per view he's on. Um, and then there's obviously you know there's other sort of signings. Daniel Bryan's going to possibly sign there. There's rumors of uh, Bray Wyatt signing. So. Yeah, I think these sort of new signings, I'm not saying it's because they're WWE guys, I'm just saying there's WWE guys who AEW you now use better, probably. So, you know, I think, I'm trying to think of the last AEW show I saw was the one, and it was really good, it was the one, I think it was a stadium stampede one. Yeah. Um, no, Blood and Guts, I think I saw. But I enjoyed it a lot. So um, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to, watch everyone like the weekly shows i don't even watch the wwe weekly shows but yeah i would i definitely watch the next aw just to see what cm punk does um who is he actually he's facing darby allen he's yep. the guy with sting correct yeah i'd watch that definitely well it's clearly works <laughs> clearly worked i've just looked at the um the the viewership apparently it was 1.2 million wow and that's only oh, the second week of this show. Well, and, and that's like Friday, 10 o'clock slot. Fuck no, me. That's a... so Rampage, think... is, that, is Rampage like the, sm- the Smackdown, I guess, of AEW? Is that the idea? It, well, it's, it's a, it's a one-hour show and it's like late. It's, it's like 10 o'clock kickoff. So is that, does Smackdown run 8 till 10, guys? Is that right? Or is it 9 till 11? Uh, so I believe I believe it's eight till ten because I saw there were a lot of jokes about like you know people backstage after SmackDown tuning in to watch Punk. Yeah, right, yeah. So it's like, but it's just like yeah, that, so because obviously Dynamite's two hours, kind of that prime slot, and then yeah, Rampage is just like one hours fr- um, Friday at ten, which is interesting. So the thing, uh, and again, I'm probably talking absolute shit because I don't really understand all these like TV and American demos and all the stuff they talk about, but I think it is quite like a. A, a young a young leaning slot so it's like they get they they won't do very well on like um overall viewers but like the ratings the like the the 80 to 49 ratings quite high but um the but selling that i mean 1.2 million what was it like 700,000 the first week something like that i d- i didn't see the first week ratings but Apparently, i mean it's huh. literally but for a show that's literally one week old that's an un- that's an unbelievable number, isn't it? One point two million. Apparently, it was a hike of fifty seven percent. But surely that was yeah, down yeah, so to the-, the CM Punk thing coming back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like as Shafi put in the group when it happened. Like it was something that was teased for a long time, and they actually did the thing that they were going to say. Well, they they didn't say that they were going to do, but they basically did. <laughs> I, I mean, we know we know that punk is a draw because we got twice as many people on the podcast this week. Yes. <laughs> whilst we're whilst we're talking about ways to measure the success, like I, I like two serious ones. Um, I personally, and like we're all diehard wrestling fans. I personally am looking forward to Dynamite more than I ever had before um, this week. Just like what Rose said, like I'm just looking forward to seeing what he does. I, I just can't wait. What's he going to do? Is, is Cabana going to come out at any stage? Like, I just can't wait. And the second thing is I got a message on Saturday morning and it was, hey, mate, um, what's the crack with this AEW wrestling? I think I'm going to start watching that if CM Punk is there. Can you tell me any more about it? 
And it was just from like a casual fan who obviously has stopped watching WWE, but knows I like wrestling and saw it on Sport Vibe or something. And that's exactly the captive audience that they're trying to get, isn't it? Like, as Shafi said, there's like he feels like the WWE product isn't for him anymore. And he's now found a promotion that he's massively fallen for. And there's going to be other people that are going to feel the same. Did, did anyone else want to talk about like their own personal experience watching the segment or how they felt like what, um, like, or, or should we go on to what we think Punk's going to do next? Yeah. I so, mean, I, I, yeah. I, my like personal opinion of it, I think I like, well, for one, I basically, since, since I've had a little one, I do not fucking lose sleep for anything. Like, so I don't stay up late for wrestling. I don't get up early for wrestling. I just watch shit when I've got a window the next day. Usually, fast forwarded in the in the few times I got. I um, Mala wakes up at half six every day. You know, at the latest without fail. Like we we wake him up at that point. So I woke up at half past five in the morning on a on a Saturday just so I can just so I can watch it because I was that excited about it. I think I was saying before, it's the, the most hyped I've been for anything since Money in the Bank 2011. Like, f- could not wait for it. And not only did it deliver, but but wrestling gets it right when it just drags you in so much that you just spend your disbelief. And, and I think the bit where I knew that I was kind of fully absolute bought in, like anything could happen, which is something that Punk just does better than fucking anyone, right? Um, is when he was talking about how um, he, he kind of, he started off by saying the most important thing I'm going to, or possibly the most important thing I'm going to say right now, and it's for everyone at home, and this is for everyone in the back, and then he kind of segued that into talking about his his journey, and if anyone's been upset by the personal choice he's made, and I thought, Fuck, he's going to apologise to Colt. He's going to apologise to Colt. He's going to apologise to Colt. Which, obviously, in the light of day, obviously, that's not going to happen. But I was so dragged in and just so bought into the kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> forgive the pun, but like the cult of personality of punk and the moment and everything that I was just dragged into like, oh, my God, he's going to apologise to Colt. And I know that wouldn't have been like the biggest thing ever. And the biggest thing ever is just punk returning. But I just thought that was quite an, like an... And a kind of an insight into my psyche as a result of that whole moment. Um, I just found it so, so yeah, just just so hundred percent bought into it. So going off of uh, what Brum said, also since having a child, I, there's, I'm not staying up for anything. Um, it's impossible. Uh, but I got up Saturday morning and watched it straight away. Like I wasn't really that excited to be honest to watch the show because. I feel like as a wrestling fan, particularly as a WWE fan over the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, who knows, they've just been conditioned to expect disappointment. If you get your hopes up, you know, you're going to get beaten down. Um, And so people were asking me all through the week, oh, do you think Punk's going to come? Do you think? And I was like, probably not. It probably, you know, I, I had hoped that, AEW wouldn't leave us completely heartbroken and desolate that, you know, this thing had been hyped up so much and they didn't deliver. But at the same time, I just couldn't get myself to fully believe, um, you know, that it would actually happen. I think with Punk, like obviously he left, what, seven years ago or something. And the way that he, you know, maybe handled it at times, I think a lot of, 
fans found it quite difficult because he hasn't been I mean obviously he did the podcast that you know sort of spectacularly went quite wrong um, but outside of that he hasn't really been that vocal and I think a lot of fans you know Punk was someone that a lot of us were attached to you know from whether it's from Ring of Honor whether it's from WWE Stroke ECW whether it's the Pipe Bomb you know whatever it is a lot of us are very attached to him particularly people our age you know who see wrestling a certain way um, you know, as he said, he's he's one of us. Um, and him obviously disappearing and not really having that sort of dialogue, you know, with with fans and, you know, going to UFC and sort of being very against coming back to wrestling. And I think a lot of us, well, a lot of people, I should say, and, you know, maybe even myself to some extent, have almost taken that personally, um, almost taken it as a personal snub. Um and obviously there are people, you know, WWE have sort of fed, you know, some of that as well, I think, you know, and some of the nonsense that Roman came out and said before all of this. But, you know, to the way that he kind of left, even though, you know, what, what the reasons it was for, I, I almost find myself harboring a little bit of animosity towards CM Punk, you know, which is we'll move on to in a second, because obviously that's complete nonsense. Um, you know, to think that he owes us anything. Um, but yeah, that was kind of how I felt. And we spoke about him returning before, like maybe a year ago or so. And to me, like the moment had passed, you know, there was no real interest. You know, he'd been to UFC that hadn't turned out particularly well. He'd been on this, I don't know what it is, this WWE talk show, you know, which has kind of taken a little bit of shine or a little bit of the anticipation of his return away because, you know, that was his first return to anything to do with wrestling. Um, so I had all of these feelings, um, you know, not thinking that he's going to come to AEW, not necessarily being particularly warm to Punk in the, you know, the last seven years for, I think for a lot of fans, absence has not made the heart grow fonder, rightly or wrongly. Um, and I think when he came out and just seeing him and just seeing his reaction and seeing the crowd, I think all of that, I think animosity is perhaps a strong word, but any sort of negative feelings I had just just melted away, you know, almost like when you have a falling out with someone over something very stupid, but, you know, you don't talk for a while and then you, you meet up and you make up almost and that weight is lifted. Um, I don't know, maybe that sounds a bit deep, but um, so for me, like when he came out and he was, you know, his reaction and the crowd reaction, I was, you know, quite emotional, you know, and, it made me feel a little bit odd that I had that reaction. And then they showed the guy in the crowd pulling his eyes out, which made me feel a hundred times better. Um, <laughs> you know, um, obviously he got in the crowd, sorry, he got into the ring and he said, you know, if you're upset by some of the personal decisions I made and just him saying that, like made me realize that how stupid we are or how <laughs> stupid wrestling fans can be to sort of, have any sort of entitlement over what other people do, you know, with their lives and to have any sort of disappointment over that because ultimately everything he did was a personal decision. Um, and then, you know, he obviously dropped the line about, I was never going to get better in the place that made me sick. And, you know, in that, that's all he needed to say. Like, you know, then it was completely understood that, you know, his complete stance that, I think as well these days we're a bit more enlightened about things, you know, regarding mental health as well as, you know, physical health. And 
just to hear him say that, I think, you know, was was heavy and sort of, you know, touched me in a way. Um, and the thing you said about obviously leaving pro wrestling in, in what, 2005, was it? And coming back in 2021. I think some people have taken that the wrong way and they feel like he's completely discounting everything he did in WWE. But to me, it was more, you know, the, our Ring of Honor is pro wrestling. AEW is pro wrestling. WWE is sports entertainment. I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. I always wanted to not be fit into a box. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to be an artist. And now I get to do that again. And that's, you know, what I'm so happy about. So I took that as, you know, a positive rather than a, a negative statement. So, yeah, um, I appreciate that. I've probably soliloquized for about five minutes now. But yeah, I think it had a heavy, heavy effect on me. And I went from being someone who probably wouldn't have gone to meet CM Punk if he was, you know, doing a sign in at my next door neighbor's house to, you know, I'm fully on board. Like I went, you know, straight away to try and order the new T-shirt. The demand for that T-shirt has literally crashed pro wrestling tees for about a day crashed shop aw they've they've run out so the shirts that they get printed on obviously these white shirts with a black trim they've bought up all the stock in the country and sold out of them like that is just the level of demand and interest in cm punk is unbelievable you know if you want to measure success they're now having to print them on plain white shirts because they can't get any more of these ringer shirts i, I, I thought think- that was the um they finally b- released the wsbf shirt why it crashed. <laughs> I see that. I see just to add to that, Shaf, I see that it's officially now after 72 hours, 24 of those hours with the site being crashed, it's now officially the highest selling shirt in PWT history. And, and by a long way, it will be, you know, it won't be close. Well, I mean, every, like the, the, the highest reigning shirt was like a Bullet Club shirt from seven years ago. So it's had seven years to sell. CM Punk's had three days. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and Bullet Club was huge. Yeah, massive. Well, it's it's what really kicked off. Like, I know it didn't start progressing these, but it's like what put it on the map, isn't it? So, yeah. Mate, Sha- I just want to, Chef, I know if you've got any more to say, that's fine. Go as long as you want. I just want to say that's fucking beautiful the way you've put that into words, mate. I feel exactly the same in everything you've said. You're spot on. Um, yeah, mate, well done. It's beautiful. I was just going to say the same. I was like, if I, had, if I wasn't going to go see Rampage, I definitely will now after your little uh, your input there, Shaf. So yeah, you should be the uh, CM Punk hype man. I think from now on, <laughs> he's he's not bad on the mic himself. To be fair, no, he's not. Um, I well, you you, you said, Ro. Sorry, uh, other people have things to say. Ro, you said about oh, you'll go see Rampage if you get the chance. Well, like lads, we're a, we're a good chance of getting CM Punk in the UK at some point. You know when restrictions are lifted a little bit further. Like, how exciting is that? So I was actually, his last Raw in the UK, I was actually front row at that show. That's how, that was a long no time way. ago. Um, yeah, AEW tickets, as soon as they come here, they are going to go in seconds. They are going to yeah. sell out so quick. Like, I've got people messaging me every day who don't even, you know, have literally just started watching AEW, and they're like, if tickets come, should we go? If tickets come, like we're gonna go, you know. Where, like, where would they book? Do you think they'd book what Wembley Arena, O2 sort of thing? It's got to be the cottage, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, I would Ser- love seriously though. Seriously, they they run Craven Cottage. 
How many? How many? How many? That'd be so good. If like, does anyone know how many the cottage would get in if they formulated it for wrestling? Around about. Like, it, what, what is more, the Wembley Arena or the O2 or Craven Cottage? What's, what's well, they've the only got, well, they've only got 20 fans at the moment, haven't they? It's under reconstruction at the moment. Yeah, they're redoing the Riverside stand, aren't they? Also, I think O2 is probably an exclusivity deal. So I don't think that would be an option. I imagine WWE would pull out of the O2 if uh, AEW wanted to go there. So you're probably looking at Wembley mm-hmm. Arena, which is, what, about 10? Ballroom. Yeah. They've also got, um, haven't they got a deal, like an NFL deal with the Tottenham ground? So maybe that's something that the Khans are involved with because that's the Jaguars, right? Yeah. The Jags have got a ground. Yeah. It could be Tottenham. It's too too big though, isn't it? Tottenham. Yeah. yeah. That's that's too big, unfortunately. You, you, rec- you reckon, like, based on what you're saying, that they wouldn't sell out 60,000 tickets? Nah, they wouldn't. No. That, I mean, WWE wouldn't sell out 60,000 tickets. Depends where they ran. They wouldn't sell it for Raw. I don't know, you know, because we've had the pandemic. It's been two, it'll be two and a half years or whatever since wrestling's been here. No, no that's just, that's, that's. I don't, I don't think they're there no. yet. As much no. as I will fanboy for AW, I don't think they're there yet. They could book, you know, the, 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 the Royal Rumble could, 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 could do that. Mania could do that. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 apart from a big, a big three, even WWF pay per view, I think would be the only chance of doing those sort of numbers. Yeah, I'm gonna just quickly try chime in with my personal story of uh, how I felt with it. Obviously, it's tough to, to follow Sharpies, you bastard. But um, <laughs> um, I was similar to to, to, to Sharp in like the the. The, the CM Punk that that left wrestling and then became kind of just on Twitter as a bit of a smart ass, like would only talk about wrestling in like a pretty negative way and was getting into like little Twitter spats with wrestling fans and kind of forcing that 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 fandom that he had away and trying to get get into the UFC and then getting battered in the UFC and, and, and in a way that kind of just highlights pro wrestling as like non-legitimate with like obviously CM Punk's saying when he comes out is like it's clobbering time and then, he tri- and then you see him in a cage actually in an attempt to clobber someone and it, obviously it was far from it. Like I do understand why he did say what he said in terms of I apologise. Well, well, he didn't say I apologise. That's very un-CM un- un- Punk. But, he, but the phrase that he used, I do feel that like that was aimed more towards that. And the thought that um, Brum had about it being aimed at someone like CM Punk didn't cross my mind, but that's pretty exciting if that's going to be something that they go for. But just in terms of like that side of things with, with CM Punk and how he was just kind of this like, this kind of became a kind of like a gravel voiced, gnarly bloke, but he just didn't see the fun in anything. Just like just to see him get that reaction and just and just beam with with pride and 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 smiles, it did seem to wash the kind of like all that feeling away, which was lovely. I watched it at, at, at a 3am with Mike and Phil after Mike's DJ set at the mixer, so we were all pretty boozed up at the time, and, and all three of us were just like, "Man, this is just amazing, isn't it?" And that's coming from 
fans of Punk from the WWE rather than AEW and being massively excited to see him with a brand new roster. And as Shafi said, seemingly, hopefully, loving pro wrestling again because it was a massive passion of his. And the fact that he lost that passion came out in ways that didn't look good on him. And uh, let's just hope that he's over that hump and uh, we we see a very positive Punk. Completely. Completely. Lads, yeah, beautiful stuff. Well said. I think um, I think just this podcast just shows how much it, it, it meant to people, right? It, it just, yeah. It, it, and, it, you know, the, the last the last thing, I guess, is, uh, and Shafi definitely touched on it, everyone did, but just how this feels big for AEW, doesn't it? So where do they, what do they do with this momentum now? Well, obviously, we've got Darby Allen first with Punk. What, I don't know, maybe if everyone could think of just even just one thing that we're looking forward to. Um, I, mine, mine's not necessarily a match. I'm, I'm looking for some sort of punk cabana interaction. I'm really looking forward to that at some stage. I hope we get a fucking hug and even if it's just on screen, I don't care. I just need to feel, I need that to be buried in my mind. Dom, do you um, think the ultimate moment would be um, the books who punks talked about wanting to work with? them just kicking the shit out of punk and cabana running to the ring. Like the place would explode. Right. Take, take my fucking money, mate. Yeah. Like, this, just explode. Uh, this is, this is, this is why, this is why you're the, the writing mind, brother. But yeah, no, that's, that's bang on. Let's have that, please. Um, six, six man with a, a Kenny Omega and Ace steel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he, mate, I, don't, I don't mind who else. Like, I don't care if they have bloody Cliff Compton, I, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, and, that, and then that, that would just be a great way to build to Punk and Omega, which hopefully is something in our future. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, J- James, I'm putting people on the spot. We haven't prepared for this. This is like a mini round table. James, is there something that, you know, as, as a bit of a lapsed wrestling fan, you in your mind is like, man, I'd, I'd love to see that in AEW with Punk? I... I- uh, no, not like specifically. I don't think. I think it's just just a bit of excitement of seeing of seeing where it goes. Yeah, like Darby Allen, great. I'm not that infused in that old bloke being there. I don't like him. Never have. But um, keep him out of the way. I'd like him to lose to Darby Allen on his return. Personally, I think uh, I, I think that would show just like a different uh, way of going about uh, a company. And you've got this. It, it's a star coming in to face someone you've established yourselves. He's you. He does. He doesn't. He can lose. It doesn't have to be. It can be competitive. You know, his first match back. He's he's rusty. You know, go on a bit of a redemption. I, I think it'd be great if Darby Allen won that match personally for the for the for wrestling. But even as a big punk fan, uh, mate, interesting take. Like, uh, it's not even something that I even considered. Interesting, interesting take. Do, do you all just assume that punk's going over? Uh, I mean, I had, but then I guess when, when you said that straight away, I was like, oh, well, that creates another challenge for Kenny. If if, Dar- if they want to go that way with Derby, that would be a great way of doing it. Who knows? Well, that's why it's worth watching the pay-per-view, I suppose. I, I think I've got it wrong. I got that wrong. Like, um, I, I called it. I thought it was, they were going to kind of tease that, but I thought it was going to lead to, for that reason, that that, that match is really hard to, to book. Um, in terms of who goes over that, and AW don't do a lot of screw finishes. So I thought before 
all out and they might they might they might still still get there but pr- i don't think they will because of how they've teased the match now fully but after what derby said you know the the week or so before i thought it was going to end up that it would be like derby and punk versus uh, just whoever a tag team um to yeah because it just i think them them being on opposite sides is is yeah really really difficult how they get out of that one it, it, it that was the only thing that i was a little bit confused by you know, because it doesn't really. You bring Punk back; he's this massive, massively over face, and you put him against one of the biggest faces in the company. Like it didn't. I don't really understand. And one of the biggest faces in the company, who's also with probably the biggest legend in the company. Mm. You know, like I didn't. Is he with the big show? <laughs> um, I mean, if if, you, if you're putting money on it, you think it's going to be. Hard fought match. Derby gets a, a couple of close near falls. Um, punk, punk wins, but then Punk does the the raised arm. Um, but, the raised arm. To, to yeah, do you not think that's like a bit WWE? And they're yeah, not. I think, I think it's the only way they can get out of it, isn't it? Without without a small finish, and can you have a small finish for finish for? Can't, for can't, you, can't they just put Derby Allen over as someone who's been wrestling for the last seven years, and Punk's not quite at it yet. And that's the story for Punk to like. Then Punk's got to raise himself up a bit because he's not. He hasn't been. He hasn't been doing it. You think? And he, he, I mean, his cat part of his character. He came back thinking he could stroll back in. You know, is this? Is an, it's not the place he was before. It's a place full of talent, and he loses. It's like a clean, like a good length competitive match. He just loses. Can that? And can you not write a story of that? Or are you just? Or are we just like brainwashed to think that uh, uh, someone losing is the end for them, which is what uh, this sort of other company would do. I, I think I think losing that match would be the end for Punk in a lot of ways, to be fair though, James, mm-hmm. because you're going to have a lot of people who have never watched AEW before tuning into this pay-per-view. Now, mm-hmm. Punk, the only thing he's done in the last seven years is win two, uh, sorry, is lose two UFC matches. Right, only he, gets, he, he gets all of this talk, you know, all of this hype, brings all of these new fans, and then he loses to like some skinny little kid in face paint which don't get me wrong that's not what i'm saying darby allen is but that's what potentially is going to be the perspective from people who've never watched this before you know i just think that that would take so much wind out of uh punk sales to to beat him because ultimately he needs to be a main eventer and you i down the road you need to be building him to you know a match against the likes of kenny for example um you didn't, know, so I, didn't they do what? I oh, sorry, sorry, but but like, didn't they do what James is saying with Kenny? They did, but it was it was it's very, very different, different because Kenny was not really that well known, like not in a casual sense, not the way that Punk is, um, and people were not tuning in specifically to watch Omega. You know, there were other people on the show that they knew. Um, so I think with all these this new interest in Punk just having him beat straight away almost makes him look like a fraud. You know, what is all the talk about? What is all the hype about? And I understand where James is coming from with telling that story. And that does work in a, you know, a hardcore professional wrestling environment where, you know, we will stick around to see a long, because with Omega, how long was it till he won the belt? You know, it was a long time and he had that little losing streak, but we were going to watch every week anyway. But the people who are going to tune in for Punk All Out are not going to stick around for a six, nine-month, uh, you know, redemption arc. 
So I don't think it works by him losing in the the first match. But, but there'll be a, there'll be a fuck that shit reaction from the kind of punk fans who are just tuning into AW. That that's yeah. I I, I uh, like I said, I'm with with Shafi. I think I think JCH's point from a uh, a narrative perspective is a good one, but as in a in terms of a commercial idea, I think it's, it'd be very, very risky for AW to go that route. Jack, let's not let's not also forget, James, that your your logic with a loss shouldn't kill people also works with Darby Allen as well. Like D- Darby Allen's not made of glass; like he he can handle a loss as well and still be a big homegrown star. Yeah, yeah, that no, that is obviously it does work both ways. But I, I know I just think it's so it's such a like such this thing we we criticise. WWE for doing and it annoys me as much as and annoyed me during when they were bringing back oh let's bring back the Undertaker and we'll and Punk loses the Undertaker it's the same sort of thing and it's like he's got the chance to be the opposite and like even though in listening to that stuff of him when he did the Cabana podcast when he was talking about the Shield and they're like you know you're winning but you've got to make him look strong he's like well if you want to make him look strong I'm fighting him in a three on one handicap match put him over I think I think he could. I don't know. I, I get. I do get your point, uh, Chef. With you know the fans are t- tuning in just to see him, but then will they not be? I don't know. Won over by the re- if they're watching the show, the rest of the show, and like what we what happened, you know, with us as I don't know. Well, personally, with me as fans going to watch Kurt Angle at Rev Pro and then seeing, but Will Osprey and been like, well, I'm gonna come back next month to see Will Osprey. I mean, I would sort of liken it more to say, you know, Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey or Brock when they when they were in the UFC, people tune in just to watch them, and when they got knocked off their perch, a lot of those fans just disappeared, you know. So even though there were great matches and great fights on the rest of the card, people were just so invested in that one person. And what you're saying about Punk putting people over, I don't think that's an issue. I think they can do that, but it can't be straight out the gate. It can mirror like Jericho. Obviously, when Jericho at the start of the promotion, he beat Cody, he beat Hangman. Um, He was the first one with the title and, you know, really sort of put a stamp on the title because he was the most recognizable person in the promotion. Um, now he's obviously moved on from the belt and he is losing matches. He's lost to MGF twice. He lost to Orange Cassidy twice. You know, he is in that position to put people over without losing too much of his own sparkle. So I think that Punk can get there, but I don't think they can do it like when he's been in the promotion for three weeks. The the company is in a different position now than then, though, because that was a brand new promotion that needed the 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 Jericho recognition of a top of the card to get people in it's got viewers and obviously yeah the numbers have shown punk is bringing in more but it will bring in more viewers but i don't know if that's the what that, that means you have to go away from sort of yeah you know, I, 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 I do get what you're saying i i just think there's i think there's more to it if he loses personally but yeah i don't get well, what you're saying makes complete sense and from the sort of business point of view but you, know, you sort of think like the people who are coming Oh, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure how to. Word it, but... to, to be honest, I wouldn't have booked him against Derby in the first place. Uh, that's the biggest issue. Like that, we're having to have this conversation where, like, because James, you're completely right that that kind of bullshit 
raise the hand of the losing young kid is is such a boring wrestling trope, isn't it? And you know, and the fact that that's the best we kind of come up with is uh, yeah, it's it's problematic with, without them doing a schmoz finish, and and I don't think that's that's them. So you're completely right, but I just think that the you know, I just agree with Shaft that I think it's it's too risky to do the opposite. Who would you have, what sort of level person would you have booked him against just to have interest? Um, that's a great question. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there are so many of these homegrown stars that you don't necessarily, like, you don't want him to go out and smash MJF because then that undoes, you know, almost two years of booking. Could, um, could Ricky Starks could take that loss, do you think, even in his programme at the moment or not? <sighs> It, that does kind of derail his whole program, though, doesn't it? At the moment, whether yeah. that's a good yeah. thing or not, you know, it, it. I know that the FTW belt is pretty much irrelevant anyway, but it would just mm. make it even more irrelevant, wouldn't it, if he went out and lost? Mm. Um, you know, I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't do a punk. You know, I've been away for seven years. I've, you know, complained about part timers coming and taking the main event spot, so I want to work my way up from the bottom because I'm unranked. You know, I mean, they could, and then he could have all of these, you know, almost like the, you know, the Cena US Open type matches where he just starts at the bottom. And then at least there's a story there, isn't there? If you wanted to go in that direction, I appreciate that again, you know, maybe him versus Griff Garrison is probably not getting many pay per view buys. <laughs> um, Daniel Garcia who? would be fun. You know, I don't know. Uh, I'll be honest with you, James. I don't. I haven't got a good answer to give you, um, because that. I mean, that's kind of one of the issues with their roster at the moment, isn't it? They're signing all these people, you know, like they've signed Andrade, you know, they've signed Punk, they've got um, Malachi Black, and they're all so so new to the promotion that you don't really want them all losing at this point. But the issue is that. They've got so many upper mid carders now, and if they sign Adam Cole, that's another one, you know. And it's impossible for them all to be, you know, to all have very positive win loss records, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the point where the rankings become prob- become problematic as well, isn't it? Yeah. Just in terms of. Um... Dom's original question was what you were excited about Punk in AEW. And he was mentioned there, I think, um, big money matches, Black versus Punk. Promo-wise, in-ring, obviously they both do the cross-legged promo thing. There's 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 mega money in, in that, I think. But, but what excites me is, as one of those wrestling fans that felt robbed of CM Punk from 2012 onwards, when he chose to go down the, M- the MMA route and slag people off on Twitter, um, was that obviously the boom of wrestling outside of WWE in those years was massive from New Japan through to Europe. And we were were unable to get any CM Punk dream matches in that period. And under the AEW blanket, we're hopefully going to get the forbidden door. And what excites me is the fact that he can go to New Japan and, and do a, a, a John Moxley stint and be in a G1, be in some title matches, have some great matches. And then previous to the, to the pandemic, obviously Moxley was booked to be on OTT. So 
if if Moxley's willing to go back to the Indies and be that guy and Punk's said now that he loves pro wrestling, I don't see why he wouldn't want to be on, on one of these European super shows in 2022 once they're back and even going back to Ring of Honor. Like that, to, to me, is super, super exciting. I'll tell you what, if, if, you, if you think it's going to be hard to get a ticket for AW in the fucking O2, imagine how hard it'll be if Punk gets announced for the fucking your call at Bethnal Green or something. <laughs> Mate, you, we'll, have to, we'll have to sleep over for a week at, outside some ticket office. <laughs> the, um, it, it, it's interesting, Ross, that you mentioned Mox, because I know obviously the, the, the obvious thing that people are chatting about is MJF. You know, as the for, for the promos, but but a, a go to, and I think, and a few you guys have mentioned it is all like building up for Punk versus Omega, which which is obviously you know very exciting. But the big like the non MJF like kind of big money big star match that I keep gravitating towards is is Punk versus Mox. I think where so when people talk about Dragon coming in, and for me like Danielson Omega is is the one, but but for but for Punk, I, I just think there's something about Punk Mox which is. Which is really attractive, and I'm sure they've had a probably like a dark match or like a, a uh, like a, a one-off singles match somewhere on an old SmackDown when when Mox was Ambrose. But an actually a current Mox versus a versus a returning Punk, I, I think I think that's a, a feud that's really exciting. Also, um, obviously, when when WWE and CM Punk had their horrible fallout, it wasn't just two parties that fell by the wayside with that mess. It was also AJ Lee. And AJ Lee was a, ver- a very talented wrestler and a passionate wrestling fan. I wonder if this is going to be an opening door for her as well. I don't know how to respond to that. Is that something that other people would like to see? Uh, me, yeah, massively. I'd, I'd absolutely love to see. Um, I, I get the impression she's done with wrestling, but, you know, like from reading between lines. But I like... Uh, Look, I'd, I'd absolutely love to see AJ, AJ Lee in, in wrestling again. She was she was so charismatic. I just um, interrupt quickly. I've just seen on Twitter that um, Super Bacon Junior is booking Punk versus that five side football team at IWL in the Resistance Gallery. If you can get tickets, <laughs> Evan Lee, that's the one. <laughs> Um, do you get those? I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm fifty fifty. But if they still do those like coupon things for the beer, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, playing cards, three for a ten. I mean, I'm, I'm in a super baker junior does commentary on, on the microphone all night. <laughs> those nights were so good. No, they weren't. Stop it. <laughs> we had, we had fun because we're fucking piss wrecks and just love each other's company. They were, <laughs> Like we are definitely looking through rose tinted glasses there. <laughs> Quickly, I don't know. If, I don't know if people still want to want to talk on the punk piece, but but one thing, and I don't know. Sorry, if this is getting a bit dirt cheaty and bringing it all the way back to Adam Cole. But did you see on um, Punk's Pump? Is that what you call them? The kind of the shoes that all those kind of punk rock kids have pumps. Well, on on like the white base of his pump, it said AC. Was that a nod to Adam Cole coming in? Like like the kind of, because AEW do a lot of these things with like the Cookie Monster and Chick Magnet t-shirts that Omega was wearing. Is uh, it Was Punk being a little bit a little bit funny then or does it relate to something else? Or something? I think he's a big Slater fan. <laughs> I thought it was... I... interviewing backstage on SummerSlam. 
Yeah, he was. I, thought, I, I remember that. I got really excited when he was on TV. That's probably the most excited I got at the sports bar and grill. <laughs> I, I really, I just thought, it, I thought it was a nod because um, David Milan has been recalled to England's test team. And as everyone knows, his nickname is AC Milan. <laughs> He's got a force of cricket in, hasn't he? <laughs> Mate, it's a, it's a fucking four-hour podcast. I'm allowed to talk about cricket once. <laughs> I did not. I, I, si- I did not sign up for non-consensual cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Um, I, I didn't. I didn't see that at all, brother. To be honest, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even know that was a thing. It could just be. I can't sh- believe that you call yourself a, a, a proper wrestling fan and you don't look at wrestlers' shoes for for hints to future debuts. It could like. <laughs> is it, like I, I, if I did see it, I'm sure I just imagined it was the brand of shoe or something. But I'm not really a shoe mark, because <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm a size 15, and I just have to wear the one trainer that fucking Foot Locker has. It's in my <laughs> just what an absolute pleasure, fellas! Thanks, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for being so generous, it's, and it's great to have all the non-regulars on: Shaft, James, and Row, and uh, Brum and Ross. I'm sure I'll see you again next week. Yeah, like was, was, was that a little part timers jab there? <laughs> hey, I'm, any... I'm going over, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, we'll see if we can get Darby Allen to put you over on a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, guys. It's good to catch up with you. Yeah, you okay. Thanks, guys. See All right, guys, there we have it. Thank you so much, dear listener, for your time this week. As always, thank you to Rosk, to Brum, to Schaff, to Roe, and to JCH for their time. And I've said it already, let's say it again. Most importantly, thank you to you, dear listener. You can always hit us up on the social media. Uh, show you, you boys some love here. And wrestling should be fun. Outside of that, until next week, my friends, drink lots of water. Look after you, mates.